All right, welcome everybody to the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. I am your teacher of the mysteries and preacher of the heart, brother Marty Leeds. It's just me. It's just old Uncle Marty once again. Welcome everybody. Thank you for joining me this Sunday. We do service every Sunday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. That's why you're here. So we really appreciate everybody that does show up. And this is number, as you saw, this is number 100. It's actually number 101 because we started at zero. But yeah, we've done basically a hundred of these babies, so that's pretty amazing. That's a that's a pretty good feat. We've, uh, I mean, in doing a hundred, we've covered the entire book of Mark, and we're almost through the entire book of Matthew because we're doing Matthew chapter twenty-seven today, and there's only one more chapter left in Matthew, and that's twenty-eight chapters. So this is going to be a good one. This is going to be the crucifixion of Christ, and it'll probably be another long one because. This is 66 chapters, so this is, there is a heap load of stuff in this chapter. So, uh, we're gonna, and we're going to do the whole thing. So, last week, um, I have to scold myself, I didn't do a prayer. This is what happens when you let the Irishman run the fucking church service, okay, people? Um, I totally forgot to do a prayer, so we're going to do one right now and start off a church service right. So, uh, we're going to do the prayer of St. Patrick, so this is a long one, so... I rise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through belief in the threeness, through confession of the oneness of the Creator of creation. I rise today through the strength of Christ's birth and His baptism, through the strength of His crucifixion with His burial, through the strength of His resurrection and His ascension, through the strength of His descent for the judgment of doom. I rise today through the strength of the love of the cherubim, in obedience of angels, in the service of archangels, in the hope of resurrection to meet with, with reward, in prayers of the patriarchs, in predictions of prophets, in preaching of apostles, in faiths of confessors, in innocence of holy virgins, in deeds of righteous men. I rise today through the strength of heaven, light of sun, brilliance of the moon, splendor of fire, speed of lightning, swiftness of wind, depth of sea, stability of earth, firmness of rock. I arise today through God's strength to pilot me, God's might to uphold me, God's wisdom to guide me, God's eyes to look before me, God's ears to hear me, God's word to speak for me, God's hand to guard me, God's way to lie before me, God's shield to protect me, God's host to save me from snares of demons, from temptations of vices, from inclinations of nature, from everyone who shall wish me ill, afar and near, alone and in multitude. I summon today all these powers between me and these evils, against every cruel and merciless power that may oppose my body and my soul, against incantations of false prophets, against black laws of heathenry, against false laws of heretics, against craft of idolatry, against spells of witches and smiths and wizards, against every knowledge that corrupts man's body and soul. Christ to protect me today against poison, against burning, against drowning, against wounding, so that there may come abundance of reward. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ in breath, Christ in length, Christ in height, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of every man who speaks of me, Christ in every ear that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. I rise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through the belief in the threeness, through confession of the oneness of the creator of creation. Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is of Christ. May your salvation, O Lord, be ever with us. Amen. So I did a long one to make up for the fact that I didn't do one last week. So, all right, today we're going to do Matthew chapter 27, the crucifixion of Christ. And we're going to jump right in. And there's going to be, there's a bunch of math today. Excuse me, as I snort as I always do every Sunday morning. Uh, there's, there's going to be a bunch of math today. Um, there's a bunch of astrology. There's a bunch of math I'm not going to cover just for brevity's sake, just because there's so much going on in here. So we're going to have to sort of like gloss over some things, but we're going to hit, you know, we're going to get down and dirty with the really good stuff. Okay. So let's do it. 
chapter 27, numero uno. When the morning was come, morning equals 22 and has seven letters and 22 divided by seven is pi. Of course, when the morning, what happens in the morning and the sun rises in the east and there is a new day. Now, a lot of people say, oh, we live in, it's weekdays and then the weekends. All of, all of our language is corrupt and morning is when you're sad and so that's the light comes up and it's more, and then Latin, the day for, the, the word for day is die and it's all like, all of these things are basically talking about the fact that we are um, separate from God, that the true morning is that we are not one with God again, okay? That's the, that's the whole um, esoteric notion behind, oh, why is there a phonetic uh, connection to morning and morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G and M-O-R-N-I-N-G, right? Well, morning equals 22 and has seven letters and 22 divided by seven is pi. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. The first thing that they tell you about is that they're continuing on with the conspiracy, that the, the chief priests and the elders, all the authoritative figures are all what? Conspiring against the truth, the light, the love. That's what's happening. We saw that in the last chapter. We see it all throughout the New Testament, of course. And of course, as we know, this stuff is going on today. What do you think the World Economic Forum is? They just talked. They just talked about ah, they they've got disease X coming. You know what X is? X is a symbol for Christ. So, um, these uh, the the priests and the elders and all those they're they're still alive and working today. Hence why the Bible is a timeless document. And when they had bound him, when you bind somebody, what what do you do? Of course, they're a prisoner, right? They led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. The governor. I'm going to read the first five, and then we're going to go back, and then we're going to start picking apart Pontius Pilate. And oh Lord, you just strap in for this. It's just this. Just when I started doing it yesterday, I just I stopped so many times because I was just knocked on my ass. It was just like, holy Lord, look what's here. Let's read through five, and then we'll go back. Uh, then Judas, which had betrayed him when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself. And brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they have said, what is, what is that to us? See thou to that. And actually, let's just stop there. Let's just stop there. So let's talk about Pontius Pilate. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate. Of course, everything lies in the name, lies in the word. The true mystery of who this character is, astrologically, what he represents mystically, you know, exists in his name, just like it does in Jesus, of course, right? So let's look at the name Pontius Pilate and get ready for this shit. Okay, Pilate. So what is a Pilate uh, as a term of reproach or for a corrupt lax prelate? Roman surname, especially that of Pontius Pilate, a governor of the Roman province of Judea under Tiberius. Of course, he's the a Roman governor in the, in the book. He's armed with javelins from Pilum, meaning javelin. So this is a character, an astrological constellation that has javelins. He's armed with a javelin. Of course, we know a pile is like a stone barrier or a conical or pyramidal form, pillar, that sort of stuff. Um, what we're going to see is this character, this Pontius Pilate, who's carrying the javelin or the spear is actually the constellation Centaurus. And it's referenced, and this will be referenced again in the chapter, the Centurion. The Centurion was a Roman soldier, of course. This is the head of the Roman soldiers, Pontius Pilate. And of course, he is what? He is armed with a javelin, a big spear, okay? And you can even see Centaurus. They'll even tell you the constellation Centaurus is also symbolized by a centaur, and we'll see that. He's not holding a bow, but a staff or a spear in one hand, an animal of sacrifice in the other. So this is the javelin. This is the centaurus. This is the pilot who has the javelin. 
Okay, so this is cent this is the centaur. That's what he looks like. Um, this is the old Greek myths. Okay, his name is Pontius Pilate. So we looked at Pilate, and it means javelin. It means spear. Of course, Pilate is to pilot a ship. We'll get into that in just a second. But let's look at Pontius. What is Pontius? Pont, just like a pontoon boat. What is it? It's a, a pont. Li literally, is a noun. It's a river ferry especially one that is guided by a cable from one bank to another. What's a point? A point is something that's sharp and has a spear. A javelin has a point, does it not? Yes. A pont, though, just like a pontoon, is a river ferry, especially one that is guided by a cable from one bank to another. So a pont, just like Pontius, he's the pilot of the pontoon, if you will. That's what Pontius Pilate is. And he is guiding, as we'll see, Jesus from one side to the other. Okay, what is a pont also? It translates from French to English. It's the deck of a ship. Okay, and what we're going to see, we're going to see what that ship is. Okay, so this is a ferryman is what Pontius Pilate is. And what is he doing in the story? Well, he's, he's going up to judge Jesus, of course, whatever, right? But ultimately, he's going to be the one that actually takes him over to the other side, if you will. He takes him to death. To the darkness or the, or the underground, if you will, right? Where ultimately he will be reborn, as we know. We know the story. Spoiler alert. Pilot. What is a pilot? Is act as a pilot of an aircraft or a ship. So he is the pontus, the pont, the pontoon, the ship of the point of the javelin, and he's the pilot of that ship. Okay? Act as a pilot. No, notice a pilot also look at, you know, they call it a television pilot. Look at this. I mean, is this, is there a connection here to like the Roman governor that killed, that ended up killing Jesus? I don't know, but a pilot is a television program. It's a, it's a tell the lie in the, through the vision and they're going to program you and they're going to test the audience. As you can see television, why you should shut it the fuck off. A television program made to test you like you're a little subject, like you're rats. So you could to uh, get a reaction and then make that reaction and do it into a series. And while they do that, they're going to lie to you. And, they're, they're, and they call this the Pontius. They call it the pilot. Isn't that interesting? Oh, Hollywood. Anyway, but the, the pilot that we're looking for is, of course, governing or steering a ship. He's the ferryman. That's what Pontius Pilate is. What does it mean to govern? Of course, they even tell you in the language. Language is very important. He's Pontius Pilate, the governor. Specifically, they call him a governor. What does a governor mean to rule with authority? Of course, he's a centurion. He's a Roman soldier. But it also means to what? To steer and be the helm of govern, rule, command. To steer, this is literally the etymology, to steer or to pilot. To steer or pilot a ship, direct as a pilot. Okay? And of course, this is what Centaurus looks like. Okay? He's the centurion. This is what we're going to see is Pontius Pilate is the centaur, cent the centaurus. He is standing over what? The southern crux, the southern crux constellation. His his uh, foot there, what would be, I guess it would be his left foot there, is actually about to stand on the ship Argo Navis, and we'll get to that in just a second. But so Pontius Pilate is what? He is the ferryman. He is this classic motif what you'll see, um, in, once again, cross-culturally, right? When you look at like, comparative mythology, you'll find this figure quite a bit. And he's the ferryman. And the ferryman is the idea, is this character that actually takes, you know, the soul from one side of the river to the other. And, of course, this is symbolic of going from, you know, um, it would be a rites of passage is essentially what it is. Going from one banks to the other. In Greek mythology, Charon... Charon is the ferryman. I'm sorry if I'm saying that incorrectly, pronouncing that incorrectly. Charon is the ferryman who transports the dead across the river Ar 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 Archeron to the underworld. 
and payment was required to cross. Souls who were unable to pay risk wandering along the shores of the river for hundreds of years. A lot of times you'll find that during the ferryman, ferryman they'll actually cast they'll cast uh, coins down at the ferryman. That's one of the, the one of the myths that are related to the ferryman. And that's exactly what a pont is. It's a ferry taking one side to the other. Charon, Charon, is that how you say the Charon? is a psychopomp, the ferryman of the Greek underworld. And of course, that's where Jesus is going right now. Number one, Argonavis, Centaurus, the southern, uh, southern crux is all on the southern celestial hemisphere, right? So it's literally, in this sense, the underworld of our celestial sphere. But not only that, Jesus is about to go to what? Death, okay? What does Charon, Charon do? He carries the souls of those who have been given funeral rites across the river, um, Archeron and Styx, which separates the worlds of the living and the dead. That's exactly what's going on in the story. Archaeology confirms that in some barriers, low-value coins, low-value coins were placed in and around, on or near the mouth of the deceased. Okay? So a lot of times, once again, there's, there's this sort of like tossing of coins or there's usually a payment that, that is required. Okay? This is, this is Chiron. And actually, you'll see this. This is Charon. And it says, not to be confused with the centaur. This is really Wikipedia. It says it right above. Not to be confused with the centaur Chiron. Um, or maybe we should be confused with it. Maybe we should r relate these characters, right? So here you have Chiron, who was what? He's a centaur. Okay. K Chiron, in, in Greek mythology, Chiron literally means hand. And we'll see that come up again. Does that ever come up in the, the Gnostic Church and Academy sermons, the importance of the hands? It does. And it'll come up again here. Okay. And of course, when we look at that Chiron, what is this? This is the, this is the key row. The, the Chiron, the Cairo, the key row. This would be Jesus, right? Okay. So this, this um, Pontius Pilate is the ferryman. He is the guy that is taking the soul of Jesus from the living to the dead. And that's exactly what's happening in the story, of course. He is the guy that's going to judge Jesus, if you will. I don't know if you guys know this book, Siddhartha Herman, uh, Siddhartha Herman Hesse. Uh, probably is, I guess, his fam most famous book, right? It even says his most famous novel at the top there. Look at that. Um, in the book, uh, the ferryman actually played, and Siddhartha, this is about Siddhartha Gautama. It's basically about the story of Jesus, of, of uh, excuse me, Buddha and his travails and traverses through the world and things like that. Pretty good book. I read it a long time ago. But um, the summary, there's a ferryman that plays a really important role in this book. And it says, having resolved to live a new life by the river, Siddhartha soon meets the ferryman who helped him cross the river. There's a cross. It's a cross. He's crossing. Interesting. The ferryman named Vasu, Vasudeva, I think is how you say that, remembers Siddhartha as Samana, who had slept in his hut years ago, and he invites Siddhartha to share it once more. Siddhartha, who ends up being the Buddha, says that though he looks like a merchant, <laughs> he wants to live with Vasudeva beside the river. He's like, you look a little Jewy, but I'll, I'll hang here with you anyway. So... And the ferryman, this is not to be confused with this ferryman, just so you know, okay? So the ferryman, who is Pontius Pilate, is taking Jesus from the living to the dead in the underworld. And that's literally what's happening in the sky. And we'll pull back so we can see all of uh, the, the constellations in the astrology just a second, okay? But first, what is the ship that he's on? We know it's Argo Navis. It's the Argo Navis. Okay, and Argo Navis is um, the three constellations that make up the big ship. And we're going to see once again that Centaurus is right by the ship. There's the sail, which is Vela. There's the app, the stern. It's the poop deck. It's called the Pipis. And there's the Carina, which is the keel, which is the underbelly, the, the, the bottom of the ship, of course. Okay, and that is called the Argo Navis. Okay, 
what is the river that the Pontius Pilate, Pontius Pilate, um, is what is what is the river he's crossing? Well, one of the rivers could be, as we'll see, the Milky Way. Of course, the Milky Way galaxy is, it's called a galaxy, but you know, it's the river of stars. It's often called a river of stars. That boat is literally on that river of stars. So in one sense, we could say, hey, that's the river that is the, the soul is traversing. And in, in, in this sense, the, um, the silver and golden gate, which we've talked about before, that's exactly the role that those two, um, those two play. It's where the, 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 the Milky Way crosses the ecliptic. And of course, and that's the entrance of souls from the heaven and earth. And that's found cross-culturally. Once again, we found that in the Cherokee myth. Same shit. Okay, what's the other river that this ferryman is taking, Pontius Pilate is taking Jesus' soul across, right? It could be the river Aradness, which is right there as well. And that's a, that's a river that literally goes from the north to the south, okay? And of course, as we know, Jesus is the crux. He's the cross. This whole thing is about the crux of fiction, the crucifixion. And we're going to see there's the Centaurus that's right over the Southern Cross. And we'll, we'll, you know, we'll see that in just a second. But that's Jesus Christ is representing his body on the cross, is represented in a constellation. Okay, so let's take a look at this whole thing. Let's take a look at the astrology of Pontius, the pontoon. The pilot of the pontoon is the ferryman who is taking the souls from the living to the dead in the underworld. And there it all is. There it is in the sky. There's the ferryman ship. It's the Argo Navis. It's literally on the river of the Milky Way, right? Right below it, of course, is Aradnus, which is another river. So it doesn't even matter which river we're exactly talking about, where there's definitely a river in the stars in which souls are being transferred across, right? We have the ferryman, which is the Centaurus. He's standing over like a governor, standing over Jesus Christ, which is the crux constellation. There it is. And there's your boat, the Argo Navis, on the river. And there it all is, okay? That's not all, that's not it though. Okay, so Pilate is also what? Let's, I mean, these are all, once again, when you realize that puns play an enormous part in the Bible, you'll see that this is not, you know, people are just going to joke about this a little bit, but I'm very serious about this. Succinctly, what is Pilate? It's literally the, the, the phonology. It's the phonetics of it. Pilate, 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 okay? Um, uh, succinctly, pi, of course, is the ratio of a circle circumference to its diameter. I think we all know that by now, right? And what does it mean to be late? It means you're doing something or taking place after the expected proper or usual time. So you're supposed to show up at a time, but you are late. So this this being who is is uh, transporting Jesus's soul, if you will, or is, you know across into the underworld, if you will, didn't show up on time. He was pi late, okay? And it's like, ah, oh, ha, ha, that's kind of funny. No, it's not, because do you know what we're talking about? Jesus always in the present. Jesus constantly in the present. So Pontius Pilate, he was a little late for the show, if you will. He didn't show up in the now, on time when he should have, to recognize the power of Christ. Okay? It's not, it's... Pontius Pilate also is recognized when you're, you're carrying over to the, you know, you're a ferryman that's carrying the soul from the living to the dead, that sort of thing. What happens when that happens, of course? Well, that's judgment. And we're even going to see that Pontius Pilate, this is what he's doing. He's judging Christ, right? He sit, is, we're going to see he's sitting in the judgment seat, okay? Well, uh, Pontius, so there's more in the name yet. Pontius, Pontius is said to be a variant of the Greek name Pontos, born in Greek mythology by the primordial god of the sea. Well, that makes sense. The name Pontius may also be derived from the Greek word penta, meaning five. Okay? So what is what is happening to G his soul is in this sense being judged, right? 
This is what the ferryman is there to do. Take the soul to be judged. And his name means penta. Pant also comes from penta, right? Okay, well, here's lots of pentagrams in cathedrals all over the world. You can even see there's a few, there's several of them there that are upside down. God, they must be Satanists. Or people have a misconstrued meaning of what an upside down pentagram means. So um, what is the penta? Well, it's the ratio of phi, as we know. The pentagram, the, the pentagon gives us, the pentagram pentagon gives us that ratio, that design signature of God. Of course, the human being is based on the pentagram. The, the ratio of phi is all over it. But what is the, what is, we've learned this before. What is the number five, that penta, the pont? What is the number five? It's one, two, three, four. Five is in the middle, six, seven, eight, nine. In our base 10 system, zero through nine, right? We have the center is five. That's the balance point. That's the balance. That's where it is. Okay. So when you go to get your soul judged, what are you doing? Well, it's the weighing of the heart ceremony, if you will. It's putting your, you know, putting your, your heart in, on the scales to see whether or not you know, it's light as a feather. You're going to be judged for the things that you've, you've done down here. Your soul is going to be weighed against the goodness of you know, uh, that sort of thing, right? Okay, well, when we realize that Pont comes from Penta, this is exactly what Pontius Pilate is doing, is judging the soul, is taking the soul across as the ferryman, and he's judging it to, to you know, undergo that weighing of the heart ceremony. This is exactly what's going on in the sky as well. What's right above Centaurus? Libra, the balance. So what is Pontius Pilate doing? He's going to judge the soul, weigh the soul, if you will, right on the river. There's the boat. There's Jesus standing under the governor of the ship, the whole bit. It's all right there. So Centaurus, Pontius Pilate, is playing the role of that soul, um, the, the, judge, the judging the soul, if you will, right? Okay. So <clears throat> that's Pontius Pilate, the governor for you, the ferryman is what he is. Then Judas, which betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, watch this, watch this. Then Judas, so we just talked about Pontius, he's the penta, it's the five, it's the balance, it's the judge of the soul, it's the weighing the heart ceremony, it's the whole bit, right? How balanced were you down here? All based on the number five in his name. And then the next line is this, then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, comma, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. He felt bad about what he was doing, about, you know, selling Jesus out. And we'll see, of course, he hangs himself, that sort of thing. But he's repented. He repented. Pent is what? Five. Just like the sir, sir means to guard, to guard or watch over basically is what? Like a serpent. What do you think Draco is upstairs? Draco is guarding the, the main star in the heavens, Polaris. The five-sided star, if you will, in the heavens, Polaris. So what does it mean to read, to do again, pent? Be grieved over one's past and seek forgiveness. Feel such regret for sins, crimes, or omissions it produces, amendment of life. He's re-fiving, if you will, repenting, trying to get back to a balanced life, if you will. So then Judas, uh, which had portrayed him, saw that he was condemned, he repented himself and, and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. And then this is what he says. Watch this. Watch this. Saying, comma, 27.4, saying, comma, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. That's what he says. 
saying, comma, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. Okay? So, this is the gematria of that, of exactly what Pontius Pilate says. I have sinned and then I have betrayed the innocent blood. That equals in gematria, the exact words out of his mouth, 179. What is 179, class? It's a, it's a prime number. It's the 41st prime number, or it's, a, yeah, the 41st prime, which means its divisors are 1 and 179, which means it sums to 180. What is 180? Class. That's classy. It's the triangle. And what does Jesus represent? The Trinity. So there's Judas selling Jesus out. He knows it, of course. He's repenting. He's going back to the five. And what do you got? 180. We know that that math is on our hands. Little review for those people that do not, do not know. We find 180 right on our two hands. So we have uh, 28 phalanges, 14 on our left, 14 on our right. We'll cover this again during this live stream. How do we find those 28? Well, we add 1 through 7. 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4 plus 5 plus 6 plus 7 equals 28. If you multiply 1 through 7, I'm going over this quick, I know, but we've done it many times before. If you multiply 1 through 7, it equals 5,040. Add 1 through 7, 28. Multiply 1 through 7, 5,040. 5,040 divided by 28, the very math in your hands, equals 180. The very number that is encoded in the fact that what did Judas do? He, he went against the Trinity. He went against the holy three of three that becomes the oneness of God. And what did he ultimately do? Just like in the last chapter when he said, ah, oh, it's like, I forget what the, the line was. Basically, I've sinned. I've, you know, I've, I forget what he said or whatever. But who did, who did, it, it ended up pointing to his hands and his feet, the mathematics of his hands and his feet. Now he's saying it again. He's making, you know, the, the statement. He's like, I'm guilty. And then it points right to what? The mathematics of his own, his own two hands. So who did he sell out? Once again, what's the message? Who did he actually sell out? Christ within. Christ within himself. It's encoded in the very words that he's saying. Now listen to what the chief priests say after he says this. <laughs> saying, comma, I have sinned and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See thou to, the, see thou to that. Like who get, this is basically what they're saying in a modern terminology. When Marty reads the Bible, this is basically what they're saying. Who gives a shit? Who, who cares? That's what they're saying. It's like in that, it's like in that we were just talking, we were talking about this in the Telegram group. It's like in that movie, The Serious Man, which is called The Goy's Teeth. You guys seen this? It's a Coen Brothers film. Coen Brothers. You freaking Coen Brothers. And basically there's this scene where this guy is, this rabbi is telling this one guy about this uh, dentist who's in it and he finds some Hebrew letters in this Goy's teeth. And then he tells this whole story about what happened to the guy. And at the very end, he's like, so what happened to the Goy? And the rabbi goes, the Goy, the non-Jew, the Gentile, who gives a fuck? This is what he says. And what happened to the Goy? The Goy? Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> the non-Jew, who cares? Who gives a shit? This is exactly what they're saying. Saying, I have sinned in that I betrayed the innocent blood. And they replied, the goy, who cares? <laughs> and he cast down the pieces of silver. He cast down the pieces of silver. Why? He's right in front of the ferryman. He knows that his soul is fucked. 
He knows that now when he gets taken over the dark side, the, you know, the underbelly or whatever, God's going to have his way with him because just as we learned in the last chapter, it would have been better if he had never been born because now where is he on his path in reincarnation? He's way back in line. He's way at the bottom of the totem pole. And he's about to go, he himself is about to go with the ferryman. So he casts his silver, just as, the fer, just as what happens in the ferryman, you got to pay your toll. He casts the silver in the temple. Where's the temple? Within him, of course. It's all happening within him. And departed and went and hanged himself. And this is Judas hanging himself. <clears throat> and of course he gets disemboweled by demons and I don't know what else is living in Judas, but it's no good, okay? So there's that. And the chief priest, 27, 6, and the chief priest took the silver pieces and says, it is not lawful for them to put them in the treasury because it is the price of blood. Basically, what it's saying, it was inferred from Deuteronomy 2.13 that no money unlawfully gained or derived from an impure source might be used in purchasing things for God's service. So the they said, it's a, well, it's because of the treasury, it's the price of blood, but of course, whose blood is it? Well, it's Jesus's. So they're just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you get it? Right? So it's like, oh, that's impure blood. And they took the council and... Um, Watch this. And bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. What is the stranger, of course? A stranger that's not someone they're claiming that he's a he's a he's a foreigner to the you know the 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 chosen way, if you will. He's not actually one of us, and so therefore he's a stranger, he's a foreigner. He's not fit, right, for the, the temple, if you will. And they called this the potter's field. And they took counsel, they conspired. And bought with them, with this money of impure, the, the, the blood that they got from, right, the money that they got from selling out Jesus to buy this field. And it's called the potter's field. The potter's field to bury strangers in, wherefore the field was called the field of blood until this day. Okay, so let's see the symbolism behind the potter's field and where it is astrologically. And uh, it's pretty interesting. A potter's field, pauper's grave, or common grave. It's just a commoner. Even though this is, right, even though this is Christ Almighty, it's just a commoner, dude, right? Um, un indigent, indigent, or unclaimed people, right? So basically, um, and it, it even says this started to have purchased after Judas Iscariot's suicide by the chief priests of Jerusalem with the coins that have been paid to Judas for his identification of Jesus, right? This is where the criminals go, the strangers, the poor, right? So who is the potter? And what is the field? Well, the potter is, of course, or the the field, excuse me, is, of course, what? Well, who plows a field? It's Boötes. Boötes is the plowman. He's out plowing the field, okay? The mythology of Boötes, Boötes, the name comes from the Greek Boötes, herdsman or plowman, ox driver or um, cow. He actually is um, one of the cows or the, uh, the, the, the plow that he's driving is actually Ursa Major, is the big dipper the you know the the plow it's it's literally called the plow in some in um some cultures that sort of thing so the the plow that Boötes in the field is plowing is the big dipper the big dipper is one of the asterisms in the night sky it's part of ursa major of course the great bear it's it's known in many cultures it's known as the plow the great wagon it's known as the septarishi or the saucepan. It's known as, of course, the Big Dipper, the ladle. It's been given a bunch. It's been given a bunch. It's known as the boar in, um, in Greek mythology. Excuse me. 
And so here we have Bootes the potter, and he's or Bootes the of course plowing the field is the field, and of course what's the pot? The pot is the big dish, the big dipper. Okay, so the potter's field. So there's the plowman, and you're, you're even going to see why are those two connected? Well, they'll even con on a plane sphere they'll even connect them because the the lines of the the ladle, if you will, of the big dipper actually points to Arcturus, which is one of the brightest star in Bootes. Bootes is the plowman. There's the field. Where's the pot? The pot is the big dipper. Okay, so they threw them into the potter's field, if you will. Right? They bought the potter's field. Why is this important? Because they already said, oh, it's like Jesus, he's a stranger, he's a criminal, he's not going to be buried with us, you know, us chief priests and us elders. No, he's just a commoner, he's just a goyim, right? And so then you see that, okay, well, the potter's field and the pot itself is what? It's Ursa Major, it's the Big Dipper, it's the big dish, okay? Well, as we know, what is that? It's a boar, it's a bear, it's the dish that we saw in the last chapter. That's what it is. It's the Ursa Major. The, uh, um, a male adult bear is called a boar. And so what is the Ursa Major? It's a boar, it's a bear, it's a pig. And like I said, in the Greek mythology, we've got one of the guys running around the mountain chasing a big boar or a big pig around the mountain. This is actually where you get the swine. Okay, give not, and we talked about this last chapter. Give not that which is holding onto the dogs. What are the dogs? You know, of course, Cain is major, Cain is minor. Neither cast ye your pearls before what? Swine. Swine or what? What do swine, what do pigs, you know, they, they, um, they eat out of a trough. Do you know what the Big Dipper is also called? The trough, the plow, the big dish. That's what it's called. So where do the swine, where do the swine eat? They eat out of the plow, the, in, in, the Big Dipper. So what is the potter? The pot is, of course, the big, the big dip, the big dipper. And so what does that, what are they saying about Jesus? What's the, what's the message here? Of course, swine in the Old Testament is pigs are considered to be unclean. And of course, this is a representation of the big dipper. <clears throat> this is also the story of Cain and Abel. Cain, who was a tiller of the ground, and Abel, who was a you know, collector of sheep or whatever, right? You find out that God was like, Cain slew Abel, so Bootes killed, killed Origa. I'm not going to get into this too much, but Origa is a keeper of sheep. He's the, this is the Santa Claus. This is the, the guy that actually has the goats, and he's a keeper of sheep, the flock, that sort of thing. That's what Origa is known. So Cain slew Abel. So Cain ended up being the swine, ended up being the guy, guy that was not loved by God in this sort of sense, if you will, right? It was cast down by God. Why? Well, he was he was the one that was that was plowing around the big pig, if you will. Okay, so Cain slew Abel, and this is Cain was a tiller of the ground, and Abel was a right. And so this is what you have: Cain is what the material world, and Abel is the spiritual. So here you have the potter's field. The pot is the big dipper, and what is it a representation of? Swine. And that's exactly the money that they took from Judas that they got from selling out Jesus. They used it to buy a field for swine. Why is it called the potter's field as well? Well, because this is one of the like, you know, one of the like really iconic verses of the Old Testament anyway. It's Isaiah 64, 8. But now, O Lord, thou art our father. We are the clay and thou our potter. And we are all the work of thy hand. <laughs> okay. So God is 
working with the clay of the human being and he is our potter and he's handcrafting those vessels. And so when they throw them in the potter's field, it's just basically like what? Oh, these are the ones that are cast out. These are the, these are the pots that God didn't like at all and just threw them. The swine. A field of blood. You see how rich the symbolism is here? Just by saying potter's field, they're basically saying what? The Lord and Savior is a big fucking swine. Then some old testy stuff comes in. 27.9, then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy, the prophet saying, and they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of uh, Israel did value. And then it continues on in the next uh, verse there and gave them for the potter's field as the Lord appointed me. So it's basically, what is this? Hey, this is fulfillment of prophecy. Hey, the old testy said a bunch of shit and now it's being fulfilled in the new testy. That's essentially what's going on. And Jesus stood before the governor, 2711. Jesus stood before the governor. Of course, it's right there. He's, there's the governor, there's Centaurus. He's the governing the ship of the pontoon of the ferryman. And there's, there's the crux, there's the southern crux. And he's standing right before him. Okay? All in the stalls above. And the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto them, You say so. If you say so, thou sayest. As far as I know, he never actually says he's king of the Jews or whatever. Right? So this is all accusations, and it's all false witness, all accusations and things like that. And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, 27-12, he answered nothing. He pleaded the fifth, plead the fifth, one, two, three, four, five, fifth. That's what he does. 27-13, then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? What is this saying? When you talk about the world that we live in, how many people literally champion against truth? How many people in the world be like, oh, you fucking flat earthers, you're a bunch of idiots. Like, like how, of course the earth is a ball. Everybody believes that. How many people are, are bearing false witness against people who are speaking truth in this world today? Pilots are like, look at how many people are claiming you're an idiot. Who cares? 27.14, he answered him, said never a word. Doesn't say anything. Once again, why is he saying he's not saying anything? Because Jesus is smart enough to know that he's being tricked. He knows that he can see through these people. He can see their heart. He can see their mind. He can see that they're de demented. He can see that they're liars. He can see that they're under the authority of a bunch of people who hate, who literally are like, what? We heard of Herod. He's like, yeah, go kill all the children under the two. They're mass murderers. Does that happen today? COVID-19, anybody? Every war that we're a part of? But he didn't say a damn thing to him because they didn't earn anything. And he answered him to never a word insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. This is standing in truth against everybody hating you. Everybody calling you an idiot. Everybody trying to put you down. And you're like, oh, you're an embarrassment. You believe this or you believe blah, 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 blah. And you know what the Christly being does? Doesn't give two fucks doesn't give them one word because they don't deserve it. Now at the feast of the governor, 2715, now at the feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. So this is a customary thing. I should have included a graphic in this, but it's basically a customary thing where 
during the Passover, they would release one prisoner, that sort of thing, you know, exonerate the person, that sort of thing. And so they're like, hey, should we exonerate Jesus? Or who? So they, he goes to the people, right? He goes to the mob, right? He goes to the democracy. He asked the lowest common denominator, what should we do with the light of all worlds, right? And they had a notable prisoner called Barabbas. And he was notable, as we're going to see, well, his name was Jesus, but he was notable because these people, Barabbas and Jesus, they would be considered, what would they be considered today? Insurrectionists. They'd be considered insurrectionists. They'd be considered the people who were like, hey, the government's corrupt. <laughs> and so they become notable for that, right? And so they had a notable prisoner, and his name was Barabbas. Okay, let's look at the name Barabbas. Barabbas, uh, literally the son of the father, or the son of the teacher. He was also called <clears throat> Jesus Barabbas, the same name, interesting, Okay, is a figure mentioned in the New Testament, which is, uh, he's an insurrectionary. He's an insurrectionist. He's the people who would be like, hey, there's a bunch of pedophiles working in our government. Arrest him. <laughs> so, um, so he held the Roman governor at the same time as Jesus. He was freed from the Passover, as we're going to see, while Jesus was kept as a prisoner. His name is Jesus, and his name is also means, Bar means son of, and Abbas ultimately uh, refers to father. Okay. That's the etymology. It'll tell you, Bar Abba, son of the father. Okay. So, so we have two prisoners here, two insurrectionists, if you will. One's name is um, Jesus, and he's the he's the real he's the real deal. He's, that's the that's the you know the 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 uh, original, if you will, right? Jesus and his and he is of course the son of the father. Everybody knows that, right? And then of course we have this other guy, and his name is. Jesus Barabbas, and that means son of the father. Um, what's going on here? So we have one Jesus who's like the real Jesus, right? Everybody knows is the whole book is based on him. And then this other guy shows up and this Jesus Barabbas, but he's not the real Jesus. He's like a false Jesus, if you will. But his name is still Jesus, and it still means son of the father. Correct? Okay, what's going on here? Well, let's just go back to our stars. Are you listening to Marty Leeds? God, why would you... What? What are you doing on your Sunday? Don't you have something better to do, woman? My Lord. Jesus, turn that freaking Irishman up. Anyway, so let's go back to the astrology there. So there's the southern crux, the Jesus, the real Jesus. He's standing under the Centaurus, the Pontius Pilate, the governor. And right next to the crux, the actual cross is what? A false cross. So in other words, we have Jesus, the son of the father, and that's the crux. That's the real crux. And then we have this other Jesus named the Son of the Father. And what is he? He's the false cross. Two crosses in the sky, both representing the name Jesus, both about Son of the Father. They keep one, they let the other one go. Okay? 27, 17, Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? And he's called Christ because Christ is what? Is a title. It's a title. It means he's christened. He's anointed. He's become, quote unquote, king. He's become um, whatever. He's become, um, he's underwent the apotheosis. All right. Or that's what he's undergoing right now, of course. <clears throat> for he knew that for envy they had delivered him. They were all jealous. They were jealous. 
that's what people really are when they have indignation towards people or uh, a, a lot of times you'll find this, right? When people are living their best life, if you will, right? Or they're living true to their word or they're living the, the, the ideals that they set out for themselves. Or, you know, it's, it's, it's a life that's admirable. People get jealous of that. And then they're like, ah, oh, yeah, screw that guy. Everybody's like, no, he got it because, you know, whatever, he cheated or there's, they'll make up whatever they, they, they can to not look at their own failings and cast them on somebody else. And the, the masses do this. We see it today. This is exactly what's going on in Scripture. Not only did they hate the truth and they mocked it and stuff like that because they couldn't handle it, they were envious of it. They wanted to be Christ. When he sat down, Mr. Pilate, when he sat down, when he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife, all of a sudden his wife uh, makes an appearance saying, have thou nothing to do with that just man. For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. Okay, so we already know that who, who Pontius Pilate is. That's, that's the governor, right? Talk about uh, governors. Like, look at all the governors during the COVID nineteen thing. They all act. They all put out the same. <laughs> they all put out the same. Uh, you know, um, mandates and proclamations and orders and shit like that. And they were all working for what would be considered now the current Roman government, if you will. Correct, metaphorically speaking. Okay. So there's Jesus, the governor. Now, he has a wife. This Centaurus does. All of a sudden, this wife shows up. Who's the wife? What did we say that Pontius Pilate means? It means javelin. It means spike. Centaurus has the javelin. Okay. And so, therefore, his wife must have some sort of spike, some sort of spear, some sort of javelin. And his wife's got to be pretty close to Centaurus. Correct? That would make sense because that's what happens. So, named Pilatus is, uh, once again, it's armed with javelins, spears in hand. Roman inf infantry, that's exactly what the Centaurus is. Well, there's, a, there's a, um, a star in the constellation Virgo, a woman, and it's called Spica. Spica is the brightest light in the Virgo maiden. Virgo the maiden, a large rambling, rambling constellation. The star and its constellation were sometimes associated with the Greek goddess of harvest series. Spica is Latin word for ear, but and also sort of an ear of wheat held by the goddess, and that's exactly what the constellation does, is holding that ear of wheat, that shaft of wheat, which is spica. But spica is translated simply as spike, as in point, but it can also mean javelin, spear, or dart. So, spica, ear of grain, the spike, or the head of a plant, the spike, the virgin spike. Of course, this sharp point also see spine, by the way. Are we dealing with the spine at all here? I think we are. So who is Centaurus's wife? It's the, it's, it's the virgin. It's Virgo. Okay? And she'll make an appearance later as well. So will Centaurus. All these constellations will make an appearance in this whole scene once again. So let's let's pull back and let's actually see the, the the astrological story here. So there's so here's what the actual verse says. Let's go back here, okay? When he was set down on the judgment seat, Centaurus. What's the judgment seat? Well, it's the what's the throne? It's in the center. The throne's always in the center because that's where the king sits. So there's Centaurus. There's the judgment seat or the throne. That that Centaurus is Pontius Pilate. He is a wife. 
What's right above Centaurus? Spica, right there. And that is the javelin. And Centaurus is the character that's carrying a what? A javelin. Okay? So there's his wife. And now his wife says, now his wife says this. And this is the only thing we hear her say. Have thou nothing to do with that just man? <clears throat> Semi, or colon. For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. What is she saying? The truth has been haunting her. He know, she knows he's just. As we're going to find out, the Centaurus knows that he's just as well. And she's just like, just, just leave him a be. Just leave him be because basically Jesus has been knocking on my temple for many years now. And I haven't been listening. And because I haven't been listening, I've suffered many things in that dream because of him. Just, just leave him a be. Don't seek out truth in your life. You're going to be hated by everybody. It's going to be a rough road. You're going to have to go into the underworld and shit. Oh, man, you're going to have to see a whole bunch of darkness. You're going to have to stand for things in your life. You're going to have to stand up for everybody calling you a retard and an idiot. And you, and you will suffer many things, if you will. So there's the spick of the wife, the centaurus, and, he, and she's just like, just, just leave him be. Just leave that truth alone. And this is the dream of Pontius um, Pilate's wife. There's, there's the scene all oh, right there. There's the cross up in the sky and there's this, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, okay, let's keep going. But the 27, 20, but the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. Let, go, let the false prophet go and kill the actual prophet, kill the actual Messiah. As we know, all of these chief priests and elders know he's divine. We already covered that. They knew, just as Pontius Pilate knew. So they knew exactly what they were doing. They knew from top to bottom that what? That they were going to always reject Christ. They were always going to reject life. They were always going to reject the light, the life, the love. They were always going to reject God Almighty. Not only that, they're going to persuade the masses to do the same. Is this going on today? Speaking of the pilots in the television programs. <laughs> but the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. What is this? This is the Jews persuaded the Gentiles en masse to crucify truth, to mock truth, to kill it, to destroy it in your life. Once again, is that going on today? I ask knowing I already know the answer, of course, right? So, once again, convince the entire world, all the people that are not Satan worshipers, I guess, that they should hate God. Okay, cool. 2721, the governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas, the son of the father. Release the false prophet. Okay, then of course it says, Pilate said unto them, 27, 22, Pilate said unto them, what shall I do then with Jesus, which is called the Christ, which is called Christ, which is called what? The oil, the chrism, the balm. What should I do with that oil and that balm, whatever? They say, let him be crucified. And then they say it again, let him be crucified. There's a bunch, of, this is the kind of thing I wanted to go into right here. There's, a, there's another line that I really, really wanted to do the math on, but it's just, it would just take so long. Let him be crucified equals 75. We already talked about last chapter, how many verses there are in Matthew chapter 26. There's 75. 
okay? The first 75 digits of pi equal 360, okay? 75 degree, 75% of a circle is, is, um, is, is basically the, the period of gestation. It's nine months. So if you take a circle that's 12, 12 houses of the zodiac, you have nine of those months in that zodiac. What do you have? You have 75% of that wheel. What is that a reference to? Death and rebirth. Rebirth, okay? So every time you see that 75, there's a lot of math there. Like I said, I'm, I'm not going to even go into that today, but uh, homework, if you will. So Pilate said, what should, 27, 22, what should I do with Jesus who's called the Christ? They say, let him be crucified. And then they say it again, 27, uh, 23. And the governor said, why? What evil hath he done? Why should, why, why should I kill him? He's like, ah, they cried out more. Just kill him. Once again, what is this also telling you about the justice system. What does it say about the justice system back then? What does it say about the justice system today? Do you trust the justice system? The Bible is telling you you shouldn't because all it takes is the mass of people, right, to basically like, oh, it's, he was already persecuted in the court of public opinion, so just put him on the cross and let him die. 27, 24, when Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, what is, what is, number one, he realizes he couldn't go against the crowd or whatever, right? Now, he could have just ended up walking away or whatever, that sort of thing. But what is, once again, the, the deeper message here when we realize that this is a allegory and metaphor ultimately for the path of the sun? He could prevail nothing because the sun has to die and resurrect. We already know that. We covered that many times in the last chapter, Okay. But that rather a tumult was made when Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing. But, but, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and he washed his hands. Of course, what is that? It's great symbolism, washing, he's trying to wash his hands of the ordeal. Of course, of course you can't. You're still guilty of, you know, the role that you played in killing Jesus. Okay? Saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person, see ye to it. There's more math there, but because... There's, because we're going to go on. We're just going to go on because there's, there's, there's enough to cover here today. Then answered all the people and said, his blood be on us and on our children. Okay. Now, what, what does this mean? Number one, that it's like, hey, um, you're all guilty and generationally you will be guilty unless you, unless you repent your sins. This is what we talked about, generational curses, if you will. Okay. I mean, this is, this is the story of Adam and Eve falling into the, in, into earth. Right? Not only is his blood be on us and our children, but also what is this a representation of? He's dying for everyone's sins. So therefore, what is that? Just the same sort of thing. He shed his blood. Of course, we in the story, it means what? He's like, he's bleeding out and he's dying. But what does it mean mystically, esoterically, if you will? Now the blood is what? With us, just as we share in the blood and that sort of stuff. His blood be on us. We're, we're guilty in that sort of sense. Do you know what that is? This is, once again, a ton of math here that I wanted to cover, but there's just, it's just too much to go into. His blood be on us and our, on, on our children equals 104. The divisors of 104 equal 210. That's the math of your hands. His blood be on us and on our children equals 104. The divisors of 104 equal 210. There's 14 phalanges on your left hand, 14 phalanges on your right hand. When you add both of those, it equals 210. It's on us. It's, it's literally, in this sort of sense, embedded into the math. This statement is embedded into the mathematics of the two hands that are put before us. He 
He released, then released he, Barabbas, the false prophet. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. 27, 27. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. Think about this. This is, this is Jesus. All his disciples have left him. It's him standing alone against an, an entire army against the governor who's ruling over all these people, right? Who's literally um, condemning him to death, about to murder him, and Jesus stands his ground. Jesus stands his ground. He's just like, no, I'm not telling you anything. I'm not admitting guilt. I'm not doing any of that shit. I already know you're corrupt. That's a hero. That's a, that's a total hero. Then the soldiers of the governor, 27, 27, took him to the common hall and gathered him in the whole band of soldiers, and they stripped him and put on a scarlet robe. What is the scarlet? A scarlet, basically, this is just more mockery, right? Uh, scarlet is rich cloth. It's basically, it's cloth that's used for, you know, to, to honor somebody, royalty, that sort of stuff. So what are they doing? Of course, they're mocking him. This is just further evidence that basically the masses, if you will, and an entire Roman army, that all they have to be is told, to go kill the light, and they'll do that shit without even thinking of it. So not only that, but they're going to mock Christ. It's like, oh, you're royal. And they stripped him and put him on a scarlet robe, and then they had plaited a crown of thorns. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! king of the Jews, what is the crown that was put on his head? That is Corona Borealis. And I'll lay this whole thing out for you right now. Corona Borealis is a small constellation in the northern celestial hemisphere. Its brightest stars form a semicircular arc. Its Latin name is Northern Crown. Okay, so let's take a look at this whole bit here so you can kind of see where we are in the story. There is uh, Centaurus, the top there. There's Centaurus. There's the Southern Crux. Right by that Southern Crux is out of the, the, the view of the image there, but there's the false prophet. Right above Centaurus is his wife, right? That's Virgo, which is the Spica, which means javelin, spike, spear, that whole bit. What's right above Virgo is what? Buotes, which is the potter's field. There's, the, there's the, the guy who's plowing the field, and then the pot is right there. It literally leads right to the big pot, the big dipper. Right by that, as you can see, I highlighted Arcturus there, which is the consulate, which is the star, the brightest star in Bootes. Right next to the potter the, who, who plows the field, if you will, is what? The crown of thorns, Corona Borealis. Okay? Now it says he takes a reed. And we'll, we'll get into this whole thing. And a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. What is the reed, the symbolism of the reed? In the history of the Jews, states that the reed was used as the Jews as a symbol of justice. So they're putting, you know, they're putting the scarlet robe on him, basically saying he's royalty, that, you know, but mocking him doing this, and then putting a little reed in his hand. And I think in one of the, it might even say in this chapter, but one of the other chapters in Mark, I know that they, they took the reed and they smote him on the head and broke the reed, bruised the reed, that sort of thing. Uh, the reed as the beam of uh, scales was associated with power, authority, and legitimacy. Okay? And so basically the, the, the Hebrew word yam means sea and the word suf means, itself means reed. So it's basically like the sea of reeds, okay? A sea of reeds and the field of reeds is, uh, it's basically an ancient 
symbol for um, heaven, essentially what it is. Egypt in the field of reeds. Similar to the Greek Elysian fields, the ancient Egyptian afterlife, and that's exactly what we're doing. We're dealing, we're talking about the ferryman taking him over. Um, it was an oasis called the Pharaoh south of Gaza, etc., etc. The um, the hieroglyph of the Huron is a pyramid corresponds to the word Ba to flood to inundate. The the reed is also an Egyptian symbol. In ancient Egypt, the heaven was depicted as a sea of reeds. Now there's a Huron above it. There's a there's a swan above it and that sort of stuff because we'll show you what we're where we're dealing with in the sky. After the, I got to lay all this stuff out so we can understand where the reed comes from. Okay, so but in ancient this is the most important part. Okay, in ancient Egypt and in ancient Greece, the heaven was known as depicted as a sea of reeds. Now reeds they they exist in what a swamp that's where that's where they exist that's where reeds in a watery place of course right okay well where is this sea of reeds and we'll come back to this it's the it's where the northern cross exists why well what exists over by the northern cross well number one it's the summer triangle we're gonna see this leads right to this okay there's the summer triangle which is what the 180 degrees of the triangle of course but what's in the center of that's the northern cross. It's Cygnus. Cygnus is a swan. You have right in this whole area, you have an eagle, a swan, that sort of stuff. And it's in the middle of the Milky Way River, if you will. Okay, that's right there. There's the river. There's the waterway. Where do the swans, where do they live? They live in lakes, wetlands, marshes, or where weeds grow. Excuse me, where reeds grow. Excuse me. So when they go to get this reed, where are they going? Well, we're going to see they're going to this place where it's the, it's the, it's the, a field of heaven, if you will. The sea of reeds represents the afterlife in heaven, that sort of thing. And where is this? It's up by the Northern Cross where these birds actually live. This is Cygnus. And now we're talking about the Southern Cross, right? The Southern Crux. And we're ultimately going to say, hey, that's going up to the Northern Cross. What is the Northern Cross? It's the, it's the, um, this is the swan. And that is literally considered the sword of the spirit. And it's centered in the middle of what? 180 degrees, a great triangle in the sky. We're going to see that in the story. They actually they have a man that runs to get a reed. Okay. So that's what all this. So this is, so what's happening here? Okay. With, with the, the very cryptic symbolism. You have the Southern Crux where the Centaurus is standing over and he's ultimately what? He's dying and going to be reborn, which means he's, his soul is going to travel from the South to the North. So he's going from the Southern Crux all the way to the Northern Crux, Cygnus, where there is a field of reeds. Okay? What is happening in this story, death and rebirth, which means what? We already know it's the it's the oil, it's the lamb, it's the lamp that's rising through the body, going up the spinal column, that that the rod of Asclepius, the staff of Hermes, the whole bit that's going all the way up to the top to the winged disc, where there's a great bird at the top. And who is in this field of sea of reeds? The sickness, the swan. And that's exactly what's happening in the story. Jesus is about to what die and be reborn and ascend, as we'll find out in the next chapter, of course. And what does that mean mystically within you? That's the winged disc. That's the bird that flies up to heaven. What is that? That's Cygnus. That is the swan. Oh, make sure I didn't miss anything. Sorry.
this will make more sense in just a second here. So they put a reed in his right hand. Of course, the right hand is the there's that's the symbol of what we all know being the right hand of the Father. That that whole thing right there, and they're mocking him and all this other stuff. And they're spitting on him, and they spit on him, 2730, and they spit on him, and they took the reed and smote him on the head. They smacked him on the head. Power, authority, a symbol of heaven itself, where that swan, where the northern cross exists. And they're like, ah, you ain't getting up there, bitch. Smack you on the head. 2731, and after they mocked him, they took off the robe from him. He's saying, you're, they put on the robe to mock him, and they took it off saying, you're not royalty. And put his own raiment on him. You're just a commoner. And led him away to crucify him, to put him on that cross. What is the cross? The cross, as we know, it's the solstices and equinoxes as well. This is where the story ultimately happens. Then it says this, and we're talking about going from the southern cross to the northern cross. We're talking about Aries, Arise, Arose. We're talking about this whole thing is the transmutation of the soul, the chrism, the oil, the balm, going up the spinal column all the way to the top, right into the head of Aries. This is exactly what we're talking about, to the T. Correct? Now we get to chapter or chapter 27 in verse 32. We're going to get into verses 32 and 33 here. And we're going to find out there was a guy named Simon by name and Serene. And he compelled to bear his cross and went to Golgotha. We're going up to 32 and 33. We're going up into the 30, 32 and 33 bones in the spinal column to lift that oil, that balm up, so that it will rise up as the, as the great bird, as the winged disc, up into heaven. And what does the verse say? 2732 says, and as they came out, as they came out of what? Entering out of the spinal column into the head of Aries. And guess what's happening in the story? Exactly that. Exactly that. That's exactly where we are. That's exactly what they're going to tell you. They're not even going to mince words. They're just going to be like, hey, we're in the head now. And where is this? This is all happening in the chapter 27 in verse 32 and 33. And what is that? In your, in your chiropractor of the Cairo and the Chiro or the Cairo and the, the spinal column. What is it? 32, axis bone. 33, the atlas bone. And when you trant, when you're, when the, the oil, the balm, that energy goes up that spinal column and heads out, when they came out, of the spinal column, 32, 33, where did they enter? They entered Golgotha. They entered the head, the Aries. And that's exactly what we're talking about. When did this thing happen? It's on Passover. What is Passover equal? 33. This is exactly what's going on in the story. And this is exactly the math they give you. Now watch this. So now, before we get into the, let's, let's go cover this. So, 2732, as this is happening, where the oil is going up to the head, this is what they tell you. And as they came out, comma, they found a man of serene, Simon by name. They compelled him, uh, him they compelled to bear his cross. Simon, uh, serene, what is uh, serene? It means powerful one of high social standing, of course. It means the, uh, it actually comes from the word Lord. So, of course, Jesus is the Lord, it's the Lamb, it's the, the, the light, it's heading, the whole process of heading up into the skull, that sort of thing. So, this is recognized that uh, uh, Serene, um, Simon of Serene, is a powerful one, high social standing, that sort of stuff. We know Simon means what? Simon Peter, uh, Petra means stone or whatever, but Sai is, of course, Simon. It means the psyche, it means the mind. Simon means to hear or be heard. Of course, what is that? That's the ears of the head, right? 
Okay? So we all know that we're talking about the head. Simon tells us we're talking about the head. Serene tells us we're talking about a place, the high standing. Of course, what is that in your temple? That's that's you. That's the that's the Aries. Simon of Serene. We also know that, just so we know, just the Bible makes it extra, they, they give you all the extra clues to make sure that you know that we're talking about that that oil, that chrysum, is heading up into the Aries, into that head. They do this by telling you, Simon of Serene, and as they came out, they found a man of Serene, Simon by name, and they compelled him to bear his cross. He was also the father of the disciples, Rufus and Alexander. Simon is not mentioned in the Gospel of John. So, Basically, they tell you this Simon character who's compelled to bear his cross. It's happening right as 32 and 33 are happening in the script. And then all of a sudden, the Bible tells you in one of the, it's in, I think it's in Mark, um, that they tell you that, oh, this guy, Simon, had two kids. Why? Why do they tell you he has two children? What are their names? What did they do in life? Where did they go? They don't really tell you anything of that matter whatsoever. They just seem like, hey, this Simon guy had two children, as my dog is hacking up. <laughs> um what does Alexander mean? So Simon had two sons, Alexander and Rufus. Alexander means defending men to ward off, avert to defend. It means battle prowess. It's a war, it's a name that's that's representing war. Right? Name that's representing war. Rufus, Alexander and Rufus, the children of Simon, Rufus means what? Red. Okay. So we've got a warring dude and Red. What is this? It's Mars. It's the warring planet that's the color red. Rufus means red. Alexander means warring, that sort of thing. What, do, what are they talking about? Mars is the ruling planet of what? Aries. Simon. The high social standing and he has heard. And what is the ruling planet of Aries? Mars. What's Alexander and Rufus representing? Red and warring. So they're giving you all these clues to let you know that, hey, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about heading up to that pole of Aries in the body, in the head. It's, they're doing it mathematically in the verse too. Okay? So there we go. And as they came out, as that oil transcended the 32 and 33 bones of the spinal column, they found a man there and his name was Aries. And they compelled him to bear his cross. 32, so this is, this is verse 2732. Watch this. This is Matthew 2732. Jesus equals 27 and Christ equals 32. Correct? And this is Matthew 27, 32. And it says this. Let's read it again. And as they came out, they found a man of serene, Simon by name, they compelled him to bear his cross. Do you know what this equals in English gematria? It equals 277. You can check it yourself. I, I, I missed the graphic here. Sorry. I should have a graphic there. I don't, I don't have the graphic that shows that. But equals 277. So as they came out, they found a man of serene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross equals 277. Do you know why that's important? Because the 59th prime number is 277. The 59th prime number is the gematria value of 2732. Do you know what 27 plus 32 equals? 59. 59. The verse equals 277. 
It's the 59th prime, and it's verse 2732, which equals 59. And what does Jesus Christ equal? 59. This is all happening, what? In Aries. This is, this is the, the oil going up the spinal column into the Aries. And what is it? It's a mirror of seven. And this is what this whole thing is about. We've seen chapter after chapter after chapter now. Verse after verse after verse. Encryption after encryption after encryption. We've seen this again. And what would the Christians today, what would most Christians do and do, uh, just most truthers, what, what did they do at this kind of knowledge? They ignore it. They laugh at it. They mock it. Some some people are envious of it, so they so they do do they do their best to just make sure it, you know they don't pay attention to it. They're, most most of these people are no different than those Romans that drug that they were saying crucify the light. Let's keep. Going. And when they were coming to a place called Golgotha, so we already, saw, we already saw 2732. Loads of math there. 2733. And when they were coming to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of the skull. Once again, they don't e this isn't even wrapped up in some mysticism. You, gotta, you have to have some super secret cipher to understand this. It's just like when the Jews were saying, oh, this guy said he was going to tear down the temple and rebuild in three days. And then the Bible just goes and tells you in John, but he didn't mean the actual temple. He meant his body, the spiritual body. That's they even they just straight out tell you what they mean in John. Gets missed by pretty much all of Christianity. Then they essentially do the same thing again in Matthew, where they're like, "Hey, what are we talking about here? The skull, dude. Exactly where everything else in the story says we're at. How is this missed? How are these connections not made? It's because well." Um, Let's just say those Hebrews on mass <laughs> convinced the Gentiles not to look into this sort of stuff. They got into the churches like a disease, like a virus. Ooh, look at that. Well, that's not a thing, but you know what I mean. Okay, so when they were coming to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, comma, the place of the skull. Watch this shit. This is crazy. This is crazy. <laughs> um, here we are. Golgotha. <clears throat> and when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, it's a, it's a pro proper noun, right? Comma, that is to say, they give it another name, a place of the skull. This is the gematria value of these two. Golgotha equals 34, and a place of a skull equals 43. Those are, those are mirrors. Those are mirrors. So they got into the place of the skull, and the gematria value just mirrors both of them. What do both of those reduce down to? What's three plus four? What's four plus three? It's seven. It's it's seven is six five 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 one. And Aries, where they are, is one five 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 six. Golgotha reduces down to seven. A place of the skull reduces down to seven. Let's do some math on this, uh, a place of a skull. 
<laughs> just to bring the hand back into it and pi, okay? A place of a skull is how many words? Five. And how many letters? Fourteen. Okay, we'll get to that in just a second. But the gematria total is 43. That's the, this is, this is masonry, guys. Do you know what the, the degrees between the compasses and square, which is squaring the circle, which is what we exactly dealt with last chapter, squaring the circle. Remember, Mary, remember Mary had that, that alabaster box that it was part of Pegasus, the great square of Pegasus, and right above the square, great square of Pegasus was Circanus, or excuse me, was um, the circlet, excuse me, the circlet, the crown of stars, if you will. So, um, you have the squaring the circle where the, with the compass is in square. The compass is open to 47 degrees. The square is, of course, open is 90 degrees. If that's 90 degrees. So what is the difference between 90 and 47? It's 43. It's 43. Why, why is this important? We'll get, to, we'll get back to that in just a second. The 14th prime number. How many phalanges do you have in your hand? 14. The 14th prime number is 43. And we're going to see that that's exactly what a place of the skull talks about your hand. The divisors of 43 are 43 and 1, which means you are given two numbers with the number 43 when you look at it in primes. 14 and the divisors equal 44. 44 divided by 14 is 3.142, which means the Freemasonic symbol encodes pi twice within it, at least, by the way. Because you know what the G is? The G is what in English? It's 7. 7 equals 22, and 22 divided by 7 is 3.142. It's a common and widely used abbreviation, approximation of pi. 44 divided by 14, the exact thing that you find between the compasses and square. 44 divided by 14 is 3.142. It's pi. So there's the 43 in masonry that leads to pi. This is what, though? 43 is, of course, that's the 14th prime number. And there's 14 letters in this and five words. How many digits do you have on your hand? Five. And how many phalanges compose those digits? 14. We all see what's happening to Christ right now. Right? Uh, actually, let's go back here. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's finish this up before I, before I start talking too much here. Then it ends with this, and then we'll take a break. And when they were coming to a place called Golgotha, that is to say a place of the skull, that's the 33. That's where he's going up into the Aries and the Ram. They gave him vinegar to drink mix, mixed, mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. Now, vinegar is actually like a, a cleaning agent. It can actually be like a cleansing sort of thing. Like you can use it to clean. It can help with like gut health and stuff like that. So vinegar, you know, even though it's not a very good tasting thing, it's actually not necessarily bad. So it's kind of a, it can actually be used as a healing agent. But gall, gall is actually represented, and I'll show you this. Gall is, um, gall is, number one, it's the bile secreted from the liver. That's going to be important. It's a bitter, but it's also recognized as a bitter tasting substance made of plants such as wormwood or myrrh. That which is bitter, of course, and, and that's what gall is. It's, it's fluid secreted by the liver, once again, but it is also used of poison of serpents, okay? And this is from the Old Testament. It's Job 20, uh, 20, chapter 20. We'll read some of it. But basically, gall is represented as the poison of serpents, okay? So Jesus tasted this. 
And number one, he's tasting vinegar, which is like a, a, a cleaning thing, that sort of thing, right? But it's also something that's secreted from the liver, bile, you know, bile that's secreted from the liver, which is the liver is what is a cleanser thing, right? It's an it's a, it's a organ of cleansing, okay? But what's in that? The gall. It's a poison of serpents. And you'll actually, we can actually read this from um, um, there. This is Job 20, 11 to 16. His bones are full of the sin of his youth, which shall lie down with him in the dust. God, this is so like heavy. Though wickedness be sweet in his mouth, though he hide it under his tongue, though he spare it and forsake it not, but keep it still within his mouth. Yet his meat in his bowels is turned. It is the gall of asps within him. Asps would be a serpent. So the gall, the gall, the poison of serpents is within him. He hath swallowed down riches and he shall vomit them up again. God shall cast them out of his belly. The Virgo, right? He shall suck the poison of asps. The viper's tongue shall slay him. So Jesus tastes. So think about this. What's going on here? He, they gave him vinegar and drink with mixed with gall. So gall is representing what? Either the um, the poison of serpents or this the thing within your liver, the bile within your liver that is ultimately secreted, which is the liver is, of course, a cleansing thing. Now, why does Jesus reject this? Well, number one, because <laughs> his serpents, he's rejecting because it's serpents, of course, right? But his serpents are going up and out of him. That's the whole thing. Those serpents are going up and I'm like, he doesn't need the poison of serpents anymore. He's rejecting that. But the other thing is, is does he need to cleanse with the, with the, with the vinegar and with that, with that gall from the liver? Does he need to cleanse? Does Jesus need any cleaning at all? No, no. He's a sin, he's sinless. He's completely pure. So he doesn't need anything excreted from the physical liver, if you will, to be taking in and cleanse himself because his entire body is clean. Hence why he's going to die and be reborn. And of course, he doesn't need anything from the serpents because, like I said, the serpents are going to be going up and out of this bitch. Right? They're raising up and lifting that oil up and out. So he doesn't need anything from any serpent. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. That's exactly what's happening. The Son of Man is being lifted up. So he's rejecting. He's like, I don't need the poison of serpents, and I don't need any sort of cleansing agent within me because it's already clean. Let me go back and make sure. Okay, so then when he tasted thereof, he would not drink. Okay. I think we can stop there. And oh, what is this? Sorry. Oh, no, we already did that. Sorry. Okay, let's let's take a break there. Okay. Um, and then we'll get on with the rest of it. To all the people that do uh, support the fine work that we do, we really thank you very much. We can't keep going without your support. So if you would like to support the work that we do, we'll pass the basket around. And um, that's Gnostic Academy, 7781 County Road 3440, Mountain View, Missouri, 65548. And if you would like to support, we can also do PayPal and Venmo and buy me a coffee and Cash App and Subscribestar and all of that good stuff. So thank you to all the people that do allow us to keep going. And um, yeah, we, we're, we're almost, to, almost through uh, two books of the Gospels, which is pretty, pretty incredible. So 100 episodes in. We're actually 101. Like I said, we started at zero, but it is what it is. So thanks, everybody that supports the work that we do. Let's play a ditty. <laughs>
All right. Thank you, everybody. Thanks to all the people that do support and buy books and buy rosaries and things like that. We appreciate it. We would like to keep doing this because it's a good service. And we thank all the people that see it for what it is. Okay, let's keep going. 2735, and they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. Once again, old testy shit, it's being confirmed in the new testy. They parted my garments among them, and upon, uh, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. Cast lots. What is casting lots? What is happening? Number one, this is more mocking, of course, but casting lots is a form of random selection. So while he's, you know, they're, you know, being crucified here, they're, they're playing dice. Okay? Casting lots is a form of random selection. A modern equivalent might be flipping a coin, drawing straws, or rolling dice. Curiously, the Bible never describes the method of instruments used to make the selection, but of course we're insinuating or assuming that they're talking about dice, and I'll, I'll show you that exactly why in just a second, of course. This is a reference to Kaaba. Kabbalah. The practice of casting lots is mentioned 70 times in the Old Testament and seven times in the New. Interesting. 77. Nothing is known about the actual lots themselves. But they could have been sticks or various links, flat stones like coins or some kind of dice, okay? So when they say that it's like, hey, they crucified him, they put him on the cross, and they're casting lots. So they're, they're playing dice, if you will. And this is, we read this in Mark, when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting his lots, you know, that sort of stuff. Okay, and the, the, look, looking at what every man should take with all the all the his uh, his possessions, if you will, right? Okay, so what is this? This is more mockery. Why do we know it's dice? So the the Bible leaves it open so that you can actually because it, it becomes a mystery, so that you can actually make the connection, right? So what are they casting? What are the lots that they're casting? Well, it's dice. How do we know this? Well, Jesus in English is four five six six six. When you multiply four times five times six times six times six. It's 4,320. A pair of dice, and you'll see why this is important, is a die, the, you know, the geometry of the die, um, the degrees is 2,160, which means a pair of dice, which you, would, which you would cast dice, if you will, is 4,320. This is a reference to Kabbalah. Okay? We, um, and I don't have the, I should have had this, but the, the cube actually unfolds into a cross. Many people know this. I've, I've played it many times before. I've got like a, a gif of it. But basically you can see this, that the, that the cube naturally unfolds into a cross. And of course we're at the crucifixion. He's on the cross. We're dealing with Jesus. Jesus multiplied as two die. And they're casting lots or they're rolling dice by his, by his crucifixion. We already know that. What, what is this all dealing with? Last chapter, he was anointed with what? The cube, the white cube, the Kaaba. Okay? So that oil, the chrism, if you will, is within Christ, and he's being anointed with it. And what are they saying? They're casting lots before him. And this is, once again, cryptic symbolism to let you know what they're mocking him. What are they basically saying? He didn't receive the Kabbalah. This isn't the Messiah. This isn't the king. This isn't, this isn't some man who's been divined. No. He's just a commoner. Bury him in the potter's field, if you will. Right? That kind of thing. So he didn't receive the Kabbalah. He didn't receive the great cube of God. He's not going up to the, the city of God, which is the cube. And we'll see that that comes back in, that comes up in, again in just a second. And sitting down, they watched him there. Sitting down once again, they sat on their what? Their sacrum. They sat in their, 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 their lower animal state. 
They're living in the, 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 the lower world, if you will. This is where I want to do a bunch of math, but I'm not going to do it today. Just like I said, it's just too much to cover. But and, and set up over his head his accusation written, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Okay, once again, I'll leave this for homework. This equals 141. Uh, there's, there's a bunch of reasons why that's important. Like I said, there's a ton of shit to cover today. So I'm going to gloss over this. But this is the king of the Jews. Obviously, this is important, right? This is uh, the thing that was written above his head. Of course, in, in other chapters, it's, you know, it's different. It's... Um, you know, they, they put it in Greek and Hebrew and all this other stuff, right? And so this is INRI. And we'll do a whole thing on INRI. This is why I have to go over this quick, because it leads to all of these different places, the Zodiac and all of this other stuff, which we don't have time to cover today. It's an entire live stream. It is because it's so in-depth. So, but this is what is actually being referenced here is actually the Zodiac. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into that, but a setup over his head, his accusation, they accused him of it. Just so you know, as far as I know, tell me, you know, tell me if I'm wrong here, but he never says he's king of the Jews. He never claims that he's king. So all of these are false witnesses, false accusation, lies in order to destroy the light in this world. Okay. Um, then, then it says this, this, this is, this is some math we'll cover because it's pretty damn interesting. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, 2738. Then were there two thieves crucified him with him, one on the right hand and one on the left. Okay. And of course, this is the, and this is not mentioned in the Bible, but these, the, the Christian tradition holds that Gestus was the, on the cross on the left of Jesus and Dismas was on the cross of the right of Jesus. So these are these characters and it's the, it's, um, you know, these are the thieves and they end up mocking Jesus along with them and stuff like that while they're crucified. But this is tradition, Christian tradition holds that Gestus and Dismas was the name of these characters. Well, there's some math to that. I'll show you this, okay? So, uh, like I said, ton of math today. Gestus is, there's Jesus in the center there, of course. You've got Gestus on the left and Dismas on the right. It doesn't really matter what, what left or right. But look at the look at the math there. This is the, this is the gematria of this. Gestus is 32, Dismas is 23. Once again, that's a mirror. 32, 23, 32, 23, 23, 32. Those are mirrors. That's exactly what they're doing. They're mirroring, if you will. They're flanking left and right Jesus. Okay? It's, it would be like symmetry, if you will. 32 and 23. Why is this important? Okay, watch this. So, <clears throat> Dismas and Gesmus, 32 and 23. Add 23 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, and 32. We're adding 23 through 32. We're adding the gematria value of dismiss through gesmus. And what does it equal? 275. Why is this important? Because 275 times pi is 864. Let's go over this again. Decimus is on, decimus, gismus, you got 23, 32. We add 23 through 32. And you get 275. The multiplication of 275 times pi is 864. Who is between Dismas and Gesmus? Jesus. And what is Jesus times Christ? It's 864. Kyrios Jesus Christos, the Greek name of Christ, when you reduce it down, it's Kyrios equals 800, that becomes 8. Jesus, with Kyrios, Jesus, if you will, becomes 888, his 24 becomes 6, and Christos, if you will, is 1480, 13 becomes 4. 8, 6, 4. Jesus times Christ is 8, 
6, 4. Dismas and Gasmus is 23 and 32. You add 23 through 32 and you multiply it by pi. Of course, this is pi is obviously central to this whole thing. We just saw 7 and Aries and, and the, the, the 14th prime and etc. His name is Pilate, for Christ's sake, sake of Christ. 23 through 32, 27, 27 times pi is 864. And that, my friends, is exactly who is between Desmus and Gismus, Jesus Christ. That is encoded mathematically. And there is, <clears throat> there's the several pictures of, of course, the crucifixion. And like I said, we'll go into this is the king of the Jews and all of that sort of stuff because it's mentioned different times in different gospels and there's a bunch of different math to it that, like I said, it's a whole live stream. So, okay, let's keep a-rockin' and a-rollin'. So, then there were the two themes, they're crucified and 2739. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads, right? Like, what is it? Well, first off, reviled. Vile is an anagram for evil. So when something is vile, it's just an anagram for evil, that sort of thing. So when they are passing by, they, they, they are wagging their heads. Like wagging is such an interesting, I'm, this is just a sort of side note here, but a wagging is such an interesting choice of words because usually when you say something wagging, what is it? It's a dog. It's a dog usually wagging his tail, right? And so that usually refers to like the end of the, like your ass. And when you wag, right? When you wag your head, you're going left and right. You're going no, which is horizontal, if you will, right? When you say yes, when, you, when, you, when you're affirming something, just like Jesus, yes, that sort of thing, it's an up and down. And what is, what is Christ doing? It's a rising, just like the sun rises, okay? Just kind of interesting, you know, once again, the word choice in the Bible is just fantastic. Okay, 2740, let's continue on. And saying, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest, buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the son of God, come down from the cross. Of course, he's there, they're accusing him of saying that, he, that he's going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. But even John, they just straight out tell you, well, he wasn't actually meaning a real temple. He's talking about the body. He's talking about that spiritual body, which is exactly what's going to happen in the story, of course, right? Of course, we know this has to happen because of what? It's based on what? The patterns of the sun, which are universal and transcendental. They're incorruptible. Okay? Hence why Jesus is sinless. Okay? Come down from the cross, they say. They, they'll say it a couple different times. Likewise, also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, which basically, what is, what is the other thing that this is saying? One of the messages that the Bible is giving you here when they, when they bring up the chief priests and the scribes and the elders and they're all mocking him. A lot of these people that are church authorities, if you will, a lot of these people that are in that position of being like the conduit for God or the Pope or all of these, all these priests and bishops and shit like that, they're all full of shit. We know this to be true now. They don't know any of this stuff. And if they do, they're not telling you, which means either they're liars or they're working for the devil or both and, or they're just, they have a head full of damn nonsense. And those are the very people that are going to be mocking truth, mocking the light that would mock this church. 27, 42, he saved others himself. He cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him come down from the cross and we will believe him. Now, first off, um, how do we say this? Why didn't he come down from the cross, right? 
Like if he, if he is this all-powerful God, blah, 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 uh, th that people claim, why didn't he come down from the cross? He could have, right? That would be the idea that he's like all-powerful, that sort of stuff. Well, because if he would listen to them saying, come down from the cross, he would be listening to what? The commandments of men. That's exactly what they say. Listen to us. Say, oh, if you're the person you say, they listen to us and come down from that cross. They say it several times. Oh, if you are who you are, what mocking him doing that, come down from the cross. Then, but then the line after that says this. They even tell you what this is all about. 2743 says, uh, he trusted in God. So what, what are we learning? What have we learned along the way? What is Jesus and this whole template that is put that he is put that is being put forth in his death and resurrection? What is all, what's it all about? Of course, transcendental universal truths, axioms of the creation, your spiritual path, of course, the path that you need to take, the you know, the cross that you need to bear, and that sort of stuff. And what do we do on that path? Do we ever listen to the commandments of men? No. What do we do? We listen to the teachings of God. For he taught them as having one authority. Who is that authority? That is the author. That is the author of everything, and that is God Almighty. And not as the scribes and the chief priests and the elders, which are what? The teachings of men. So what are they saying to him right now? They're saying, listen to us and come down from the cross. And if you do that, then we'll believe you. Do you think Jesus actually gives a shit? He already knows they're liars. He already knows that they're, that they're working with subtlety, that they're working for the serpent. And they, the scribes and the chief priests and elders, they know too because the next line is they say, ah, oh, he trusted in God. He was listening to the authority. He could, he's not going to come down from that cross because death and resurrection is what it's all about. That template has to be made so that we could follow. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now. He is. God is going to deliver him, isn't he? That's why we're still speaking about him today. That's why there's a whole book and shit read about him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now if he will have him, for he said, I am the Son of God. Of course, when he said that, right, the building of the re-temple, what is he actually talking about? The metaphysical temple. The building of your spiritual temple. What is also being said here? What Think about what's being said in these verses, guys, and then take it to today. Who are these people? They're fucking literalists. That's what they are. These people are literalists. Jesus is the esotericist. He's even saying it. They're like, he said he could literally build the temple in three days. Noah was literally 600 years old and a drunk. And Jesus is like, no, I actually mean the spiritual temple. I actually mean the human body. It's literalist versus esotericist. It's literalist versus Gnostics. You're seeing it in the verses right here. The mystic, the Gnostic... We give our trust to what? God, the one authority. And then um, 2744. The thieves also, Dismas and Gestus, whatever, they, uh, they were crucified with him. They, they cast the same in his teeth. Now, that's an interesting choice of words. They're, they're, of course, they're mocking him. They're casting him down. They're being like, ah, oh, yeah, blah, 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 right? And then they bring up teeth for some reason. Well, what's, where's your teeth? It's in your mouth. What's mouth in, in Hebrew? It's pie. You see the connection there. What else is here? Teeth, there are, of course, you start with temporary teeth, your baby teeth, that's 20, and then you get your permanent, your permanent teeth. And what are those? Those are 32 teeth. 
So they're so just like last chapter, they came with the the mob came with their staves and their swords. And what was that? It was a spiritual meaning saying that they were using their spiritual centers, the the, the energy within that the sword of the spirit and that staff of that wand that is your spinal column. They're using that to t attack the light, to hate on Christ, to hate on you know this this um, representation of God Almighty, right? The same thing is happening in a different way in this chapter. What are the thieves doing? They're cursing, they're cursing Jesus, they're mocking him with their mouth, and they bring up teeth. And you have permanent teeth, you have 32 permanent teeth. What does Christ equal in English Gematria? 32. So the teeth, it's pie, it's pay, it's the mouth, and then you get into the mouth and you get those pearly whites, and there's 32 of them. And what are they doing? They're chastising, they're mocking Christ. Twenty-seven, forty-five. Now, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over the land until the ninth hour. Okay, let's just once again, let's just extract some basic math of that. That's three hours from six to nine. Nine minus six is three. How many how many minutes are there in three hours? There's one hundred eighty. Sixty minutes in an hour in three hours. What do you got? The Holy Trinity again. We go to the summer triangle, and then we see that Judas, he was like, oh, I've cast the 30, you know, the 30 pieces of silver down. And what is it? Oh, it turns out it's his hands, and then blood shall be on his hands and his hands. And it's all, you know, it's all referring to that triangle. It's all coming back to itself. Everything that's being mentioned here, and they're also going to mention the Trinity here in just a second. So 2745, six hours to the ninth, 180 minutes, if you will. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice. This is the other thing I wanted to say. When I mentioned, like I said, a ton of math here. When I mentioned 75, right? There's mentioned 75, and that's a cycle of nine months, which is a rebirth. This is what's happening. Jesus is about to give up the ghost, and it's at the ninth hour. And what does that nine represent? The nine months of, of gestation in the womb, and then ultimately rebirth. Like I said, a ton of math there. I'm not going to go into it. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, a loud voice, the word saying, Eli, Eli, L-I, God, I, L is the name for God, God, I, God, I, Lama, Sabachthani, I think is how you say that. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Okay, so just as they said, let's just take a look at this here, just as they talked about the trine and the trinity and the 180 degrees, right? Okay, a reference to the trinity, obviously. Then they're going to give you some more math, and it says, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama, sabachthani, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In English, right, which is what we're speaking, this is exactly what it is to say. That is to say, comma, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This is what it equals in English, gematria. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It equals 120. It equals 120. What is this? This is the doctrine of Jesus. It's a trine. It's a trine. It's an aspect of 120. It's one-third of a circle. It's a reference to what? A Trinitarian thing. If you took a circle and divided it into three, that would be three becoming one circle, right? If you will. It's an And, of course, this is astrological, a trine. Of course, the doct, of course, means to teach and instruct. So the doctrine of Trinity, of the doctrine of the Trinity of Christ, of course, is what? To teach people about the number three. This is actually, this 120 is found in his name, Lord, 
Jesus Christ. Four letters in Lord, five in Jesus, and six in Christ. Four times five times six is 120. It's the trine. It's a third of a circle. Okay? Now, oh, great. There's a bunch of math. What does it mean, though? Okay. So we already know it's a reference to the Trinity. We're already talking about the trine. There's that. But my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Once again, equals 120. Why is this important? Did God forsake him? Forsake means to abandon. Did God ever actually abandon him? No, because obviously what? He rose again. Does God ever abandon any of us, really? No. Why? Because he's omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. He's all, he's, he's holy and whole and everywhere at once. So God is, so Jesus is crying out, why, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What's the, what's the, what's the message of this? He didn't. He never left him. Okay, well, we should be able to find that mathematically then. My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me equals 120. Do you know what the properties of the number 120 equal? The divisors, 360. Because why? Number one, it's a reference to the Trinity. It's a reference to the trine. It's a reference to astrology. But number two, it's what? God is holy everywhere at once, 360 degrees. Is, uh, is there any place I can go where God is going to forsake me, abandon me? No. That is encoded in the very math of what Jesus says on the cross. The Trinity, the trine, a, th a third of a circle, and then not only that, the divisors give you wholeness. This, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It's this, you guys know this thing. I, I talked about this before. It's kind of cheesy, but it's kind of not too. It's kind of, it's kind of cool as well. It's footprints. It's like this classic sort of cliche thing that a lot of like parents have or whatever that moms that watch too much, um, whenever daytime TV and order this sort of shit from QVC, that sort of stuff. But anyway, it's like footprints and it's like this, it's, uh, it's this story and it says, one night a man had a dream. He dreamed he was walking along the beach with the Lord across the sky flashed scenes from his life. For each scene, he noticed two sets of footprints in the sand. One belonged to him and the other to the Lord. When the last scene of his life flashed before him, he looked back at the footprints in the sand. He noticed that many times along the path of his life, there was only one set of footprints. He also noticed that it happened at the very lowest and saddest times in his life. There was only one set of footprints. This really bothered the dude. And he, he questioned the Lord about it. He's like, Lord, you said that once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. You'd always be there. You wouldn't forsake me. But I have noticed that during the most troublesome times of my life, when I was put on that cross, there is only one set of footprints. What the hell? I don't understand why, when I needed you the most, you would have leave me. The Lord replied, my precious, my precious child, I love you. And I would never leave you during your time of trial and suffering, just like God never left me during my trial of time and suffering, you know, trials of suffering. When you see only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. So what's happening? Did, did God forsake him? No. No, he didn't. He was with him the, the entire time. 2747. Just like God is with you in your times of suffering and pain. And when you're being crucified by the masses of being an idiot for believing, for not believing in virology or the bullshit of history or literalism or ball earths or whatever... Name your, pick your poison. 
2747, some of them that stood there when they heard that said, this man's calling for St. John. That's who it is. We once again, there's so much going on in here. We, we we'd have to backtrack to you know the, the John and Elias thing we've talked about before. It's reincarnation. It's refer representing reincarnation. That sort of stuff. And straightway one of them ran, took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed. There's a once again the reed and gave him to drink. There's the man that ran. There's Hercules. Literally looks like he's running. And he's running from, you can see there's Bootes that's leading to Spick of the Virgo, which leads right to what? Centaurus, which leads right to what? The Southern Crux. Now, this guy is running to a place of reeds, which is what? A symbol of a field of, like, it's the field, the sea of reeds is a symbol of heaven. It's a symbol of power and authority. And he's running, the man that ran, and straightway one of them ran. There's Hercules that's running right next to the Corona Borealis, the crown, if you will. Um, and he's running right to where what is? The Northern Cross. There's Cygnus. Where there's a big watery place called the Milky Way River and where reeds grow, where swans are. And what's there? It's a big summer triangle. It's a triangle again. It's a trinity. It's, a, it's, it's the trinity again. Right in the stars. And there's the man that ran to grab the reed at the field of heaven because he's going to take from that northern cross, he's going to take it to the southern cross where Jesus is being, where he's on the cross. The rest said, let us, let, let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Of course, Eli, Elias being, this is the thing that we can't really go too much into, Elias being St. John. John announced Christ, right? Announced the Savior of the world. John is not going to be saving Christ at all because Christ is coming to save everyone in this sort of sense, right? So this is, in one sense, this is how deluded these people are because he wasn't calling out for John. When Jesus had cried again with a loud voice, 2750, yielded up the ghost. The ghost is, of course, what is the ghost? That's the spirit within you, Okay. So, do you believe in ghosts? Well, do you believe in spirits? Right? And behold, and this is, this is really what tells you what's going on, that the, the spiritual body is being let loose from the physical body and is allowing to rise up. The southern crux is allowing to rise up to the northern crux so it can go to heaven and go into that sea of reeds. And so this, uh, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain, was ripped in twain, was twain means two, from top to bottom, is just completely ripped off the physical body because that's what's, that's what's going on. The transubst transubstantiation of that soul. And the earth did quake. The earth, the earthen vessel of the being, and, and the rocks rent. And the, this is this. So, and then the grave, so this is, listen to this, 2752, and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. This is where Jesus dies and is ultimately going to be reborn, right? And, the, and, and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many, okay? And so basically what you have, the graves were, this is spirits rising from the dead, saints, they were sleeping and then they arose from the graves and then they went after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. And this is actual video footage of that event. Actually, this, this comes from the Smithsonian Institution. This is where 
Okay, so, but who, what are the graves? Well, of course, more constellations, and we'll find out that they're constellations right where we are in the sky, okay? Delphinus is known as, these are saints that are rising from graves. Job's coffin. Delphinus is a small constellation, diamond-shaped pattern formed by its brightest stars, and, the, and, it's, um, and it's called the dolphin, but it's known as Job's coffin. So this is one of the asterisms, so there's a coffin up there, okay? So there's Delphinus, the four stars making up the coffin of Delphinus. And then, of course, you have Ephucus. Ephucus is the snake holder, snake handler, and its main stars, the central asterism within Ophiuchus, is a coffin. Of course, asterisms are uh, basically Big Dipper is an asterism of what? Ursa Major. Orion's belt is an asterism of what? Orion, okay? Um, Coffin, the coffin is an asterism of what? Ophiuchus. The keystone is an asterism of what? Um, Hercules, okay? So these are asterisms. Asterisms are, asterisms are recognizable star patterns that help us navigate around the sky and figure out which constellations we're in. And so you have, this is the coffin of Ophiuchus right there, okay? So when we talk about the ghosts rising from the graves, well, just so you know, there's Hercules that ran and got the reed from where? Where the, where the swan is. That's where swans, they, 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 you know, they hang out in swamps. And what's right by that swamp? What's right there? Look, look with your own two eyes. There's Job's coffin, Delphinus on the right, and what's right above Hercules right there? It's Sophucus, the coffin. So now you have saints rising as Jesus is dying and about to be reborn in the resurrection. You have the saints coming out, rising from their graves, walking with Jesus, if you will, right? Appearing before many. What is this? What is this? We've talked about this before. What is this? What is the what what is the spiritual message that we are supposed to extract from this? Okay? Well, this is I've read this before. This is Joseph Campbell. And it says, We have not even to risk the adventure alone. For the heroes of all time have gone before us. The labyrinth is thoroughly known. We've only to follow the thread of the hero's path, and where we have had thought to find abomination, we shall find God. And we, we had thought to slay another, we shall slay ourselves. Where we had thought to travel outward, we shall come to the center of our own existence. And where we had thought to be alone, we shall be with all of the world. When you go on your hero's journey, the saints are walking with you. That's what it means. The saints are going to rise with Jesus and walk with him. Because what? When you're on that hero's path, that's what awakens saints in the metaphysical realms, this is what we talk about, having angels on your side and the saints be with us. And then like when you when you listen to like a lot of like Native American uh, mythology and things like that, they take this very, very seriously. Like, yes, the spirits are with us right now. That kind of shit, right? What is the message here? When you go on that journey, when you t- uh, when you take your cross, when you when you, uh, you know, deny yourself and take up your cross and you go on that hero's journey, that path, everybody that came before you is rooting for you. Every saint that ever went on that path and actually got, you know, the, the deification, the apotheosis, right, that underwent the great work is behind the scenes in the metaphysical realm cheering you the fuck on, walking with you. The saints rise with us when we rise, when we Aries, when we arose. And that's exactly what's happening with Christ. 
He went through that death and resurrection just like you need to do to die to the old self so you can be born with the Christ within. And when you do that, that's when you undergo that work. That's when the bells start ringing and the saints are like, oh, shit, we've got another one down there that's working, working, working the good work. He's doing the great work. Let's go. Where am I? Where am I? I don't even know. Sorry. Here we go. There we go. And then, so, now when the, so this is 2754. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. First off, who's the centurion? The centurion is the same character as what? The centaurus. Centaurus is just another, just like we did in the last chapter, they mentioned the, the woman that had anointed Jesus also became the damsel in the story. It's just another reference to the star patterns to let you know where you are. The centurion is just a reference to Centaurus. He's a reference to the what? The Roman army. Okay? So this centurion, there's a, a centurion is an officer in the army of the ancient Rome who was responsible. So, and of course, that's, you know, what we're dealing with there, Pontius Pilate. Roman army, and then the centurion, part of the Roman army, that sort of stuff. And we say here, so the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this is what they said, saying, Kama, truly, this was the Son of God. Truly, this was the Son of God equals 105. This is, the, this is what they said from their mouths. Collectively, I guess, or something, I don't know, they cheered, you know. Truly, this was the Son of God. This equals 105. Class, what's 105? It's adding 1 through 14. It's adding the 14 phalanges of your hands. When you see that, you're saying, what, you're looking down at your hands, and what, it, what is ultimately that math telling you? That that Christ is within. And all these people denied it. They mocked it. They listened to a bunch of men tell them what to do. And many women, 2755, and then we'll wrap this baby up. We got, I think, 66 verses here. And many women were there beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him. Among them was Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. James and Joseph, as we know, is Scorpio and um, um, Sagittarius. Once again, we're not going to get into that too much, but I'll show you this. Among the, which was Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, the mother of the Zebedee's children. We'll get back to, actually, we'll get back to the Marys in just a second, okay? Let's go to the next verse and then we'll continue on because the, the next slide has the Marys. Okay. Uh, 2757, when the even was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also claimed himself was Jesus's disciple. So this is Joseph of Arimathea. Now, when you look up the etymology of Arimathea, there's we don't have any root of this. We don't know where it comes from. We don't know. It's not even a town reference. It's just this name. And of course, whenever the Bible gives you names, it means that there's something more uncovered to uncover there. So this is Joseph, and he's preparing Jesus's body. As we'll see, he you know wraps him in a white you know, 
linen cloth, that sort of thing, which is, of course, a representation of purity, that sort of stuff. Joseph of Arimathea was, according to all four canonical gospels, the man who assumed responsibility for the burial of Jesus after his crucifixion. What does Joseph mean? Of course, we know Joseph, Jesus' dad, is what the, is the, um, the carpenter's son. So there's a reference. Now, this isn't the Joseph there. That's not the, we're not talking about Jesus' dad here. This is a different Joseph. But basically, when you see the reference to Joseph, just like in Simon, he has heard. You, how many references to characters named Simon have we gotten? Even the last couple of chapters, several, right? Okay, so here you have Joseph. He's the carpenter's son, which is a reference to what? Math, of course, right? Joseph, the, the etymology of Joseph means may Yahweh add. He will add. A lot of times is what the, of course, what is that? That's a reference to math as well. And then, of course, his name also means heights or from to be high, of course, right? And, of course, height is, is a reference to measurement as well, okay? He's also this Joseph of, his name is Arimathea. This is in the, is in the book of Matthew. And this town named Arimathea um, is, we don't even have an etymology to it, but obviously it's very mathy. Arimathea, in the book of Matthew, named Joseph, he will add, who is, who is referenced, Joseph is the carpenter's son, which is reference to what? Mathematics, who also himself was Jesus's disciple. Do you know what disciple means? It means methetes, or it means um, mathetes, 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 I think is how you say that. I'm sorry. Disciple, the Greek word for disciple is mathetes. It means a learner or a pupil, and I would think that you could probably draw, I don't know, a little math from that. Could you not? So Jesus' disciples were called mathy dudes. And this Joseph is, he will add, who is a reference to, once again, Joseph the carpenter's son. Of course, you're doing a lot of math when you're in carpentry. And he's from Arimathea, and he's a Mathetes, or I don't remember, I'm not sure how you say that. Mathetes, whatever it is. A lot of math there. Would you not say that? So he's a disciple, he's a math, and Joseph, he will add, and then he's from a place that's very mathy. Okay, so constellationally, who is this? Who is this Joseph character that is going to ultimately take Jesus' body and bury it? Well, this is the constellations of what? The compasses in the square. Norma and Circanus. Circanus is... Is two constellations right by each other, and they're they're usually connected, just like Argo Navis is three constellations that make up a boat. Same sort of thing. You don't you don't compasses and square are sort of you know they're they're bedfellows, right? They're two peas in a in a pod. So Circanus is the uh, uh, small faint constellation in the southern sky. It's a representation of a compasses, a compass. It even looks like a compass. Norma is a small constellation in the southern celestial hemisphere. And it is a right angle. It's a rule. It's a carpenter's square. So we have the compasses and square. And do you know where the compasses and square are right by? This is a representation of Joseph. He will add Arimathea. He's a Mathetes or whatever, a mathy dude. He's a disciple. And Joseph is going to take the body of Christ. And where is he? Right next to Pontius Pilate, the Centaurus, and right by the Southern Crux constellation. Right there. Norma, Circanus, the compasses in the square, right next to Jesus, the carpenter. Amazing. So let's pull back and let's see what, oh, wait, actually, let me, let me, um, well, actually, we'll, we'll do this. Joseph is obviously going to um, bury Jesus and he's going to hone him out of, hewn him out of the rock. He's going to carve out of the rock this burial for um, Jesus, where he's going to rest. And we're going to see that where does Joseph 
right? Joseph, who takes Jesus' body is the body of Christ, which is the crux. Joseph, I just have him circinus there, Norman circinus, is going to take Jesus' body and put him in a tomb or a coffin, which is right there. And that sepulcher, if you will, is where we just were, the grave, the coffin, Ophiuchus. He is a serpent holder, by the way. What is this whole thing about? Raising the serpents up. 27, 58, he went to Pilate, he went to Centaurus, Norman Circanus did, and begged the body of the Southern Crux constellation. Then Pilate, the Pontius Pilate, the ferryman, commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth. So now when we said before about, hey, this is all about the Kaaba and the pair of dice and Jesus and all this other stuff, they're going to they're gonna encode this mathematically now. 2759, 59, Jesus and Christ is 59. When Jesus had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth. This is the gematria value of this. He's taking Jesus's body and wrapping it in pure white. And when Joseph had taken the body, he had wrapped it in a clean linen cloth. Do you know what it equals? There's 14 words. Reference to the flanges of the hand. The full reduction is seven. Reference to what? Aries and the ram. The gematria total is 205. And he's, Joseph is taking the body and wrapping it in pure white. Using the rule of Kolel, if you have, once again, the rule of Kolel is a Kabbalistic rule which states that one digit can be added to or subtracted from the gematria value of a word without affecting its value. When we see that Joseph taking the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth. This equals 205. If we add one to this, using the rule of Kolel, adding one to this, do you know what it equals? It equals 206. The adult human skeleton is made up of 206 bones. This is the body of Jesus Christ. Wrapping it in pure white. 206 bones. So using the rule of Kalel on this gematria, we have the number of bones in the body that he's wrapping up, if you will. Why is this important, though? Because those two cubes equal 206 as well. When they were casting lots and mocking him, and I'm saying that this was, a, you know, they, you know, they're, they're you know, they're, um, they're gambling, if you will, in front of the Savior being crucified, right? And they're casting those lots. They're rolling the dice. A die is six-sided. In English gematria, one, two, three, four, five, six equals 103. Which means if you have two pair of dice, what do you have? 206. And that is the frame of the human body. And once again, that's exactly what Joseph is doing. 205. The rule of Kalel is 206. And that is the bones. The pair of dice that is the body of Christ. And there's your Kabbalah for you. Right in the verses where it should be, actually. Okay. Okay. And there's that. There's And that's 59, by the way. That's verse 59. Jesus equals 27. Christ equals 32. Then Norman Circanus, Joseph, and laid it in his own new tomb, which had hone, hewn, uh, excuse me, hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. 
Okay, then we'll get to the Marys. We'll get back to the Marys. What is the stone? It's the keystone of Hercules. It's a the keystone of Hercules is actually one of the largest constellations. The keystone is an asterism formed by four relatively bright stars in, in um, the constellation Hercules. It is a huge constellation. It's a huge asterism. It's a, it's, it, I think it's the largest asterism uh, in the sky of the, um, of the 88 constellations. So it's a massive stone. So in other words, a big-ass stone, as we're going to see, was rolled over the sepulcher of what? Ophiuchus. And what do we have right there? There's the Sea of Reeds right on the right. There's the guy that ran to get the reed, of course, and that's a representation of Hercules. Then we have what? We have uh, uh, Cir Joseph, which is Circanus and Normus, excuse me, Circanus and Norma, the constellations, taking the Southern Crux and burying him. And this is this is the Northern, uh, you know, uh, celestial sphere. But if you just turn it over, it's right there. And what do you have? The sepulcher where Jesus was buried, Ophiuchus, the serpent holder. <clears throat> Wait a second. Wait a second. He's the serpent holder, and as far as I know, where are we? We are supposed to, we're supposed to lift that serpent up in the wilderness. The, the serpent that's within us, we're supposed to take a hold of it, control that serpent, so that you have command of it, it doesn't have command of you, and lift that light, that son of man up in the wilderness. That's where we are, of course, in the stars, the wilderness, where people don't live, in the wild. And that's, of course, where Jesus was buried, in the place, in the, it's a body, and in that body is a coffin, it's a tomb, and that body is holding a serpent. He's the serpent holder. And a stone, the stone of Hercules, is rolled over what? The entrance. The entrance to the sepulcher or the tomb. Where am I? Where are we going? I don't know anymore. There we are. Too many freaking graphics. 2760, and he laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock, out of the Hercules, out of the massive keystone in the sky and he rolled that great stone of the keystone of Hercules to the door of the coffin of Ephucus and he departed. And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulcher. Okay, so here's the Marys. What do you think the Marys are? Well, we already know Mary is a represent, representation of what? Of course, the Marys are there because what has to happen? What is the pun here? What's What, what happened in the last chapter? What happened in the chapter before that? They married. Right? The, food, the, the wise went in, the wise virgins went in to marry with Christ. And then, of course, what do we happen? We have Mary anointing Christ and marrying, of course, the, the, the compasses and square in, in the sky. Okay? So the couple Marys are there for what is ultimately a representation of what? The great work, which is the alchemical marriage. But there's two of them there. There's a Mary there, and they're sitting, as it says, they're sitting... Let's read it exactly. They're sitting over against the sepulcher. They're sitting over against Ophiuchus, the tomb or the coffin. It's Mary Magdalene, of course, that'd be Virgin Mary. I mean, even the symbol of Mary has the Jesus fish in it. You can see it on the right there. Okay. What's the other Mary? Well, I'm going to say this is um, Coma Berenices, which is known as, it's actually the queen's hair, I think is what it's what it referenced. But uh um, ko ma, ko ma, ko means with, ma is of course mother, so ko ma, with the mother, 
Berenices, Berenices, Nike is a, is a female, it's a um, goddess of victory, right? So she is Berenices, and this basically means the bringer of victory, to bring victory. What do you think the alchemical marriage is? So this is Virgo and Coma Berenices, which are right next to each other. The Virgin, Virgo, Mary, Mary. Of course, there's the Virgin, and there's Coma Berenices right next to it. But they're sitting over against the tomb. Well, there's Mary. There's Jesus' crucifixion. You can see, um, uh, you can't see, did I cover it there? Oh, no, this is the southern. So on the other side is Coma Berenices. You can see it here. There's the north. Uh, really, literally on the other side of Virgo is Coma Berenices. And what are they? They're, they're right next to the tomb of Ophiuchus. They are sitting over against the sepulcher in the sky, literally. <laughs> okay? And let's finish this baby off. 2762, now the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came out to Pilate saying, Sir, watch this. Holy shit. Saying, comma, Sir, this is just insane. I couldn't believe this. Saying, let me say, okay, let me start over here. 2763 saying, Sir, we remember that that deceiver said while he was yet alive after three days, I will rise again. That sun will rise again. That light in the sky is going to rise again. And this is exactly what they said to Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that that deceiver said while he was yet alive after three days, I will rise again. And here's the gematria of that verse. Sir, we remember that that deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days, I will rise again. This equals 344. Everybody see that on the left? That's exactly what comes out of the mouth of the damn Pharisees. And they're like, oh, he's going to rise again. We should keep the, put that rock over there, you know, guard it so he doesn't, you know, come out and that sort of thing. Equals 344. Do you know what else equals 344? The gematria value of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15. Okay, who cares? What is, why is that even important? What are we talking about here? The sun rising again, correct? They're just saying it in the verse. The sun, the son of God is going to rise again just like the sun does. And this equals 344. And 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 equals 344. 14, 15 equals 344. 1 through 15 equals 344. I'll say that again. Why is 15 important? Because the 15th triangular number is what? It's the trine. Adding 1 through 15 is 120. It's the doctrine of Jesus. Do you know what else is clocked at 15 degrees per hour and clocked with the hand? The sun. Adding 1 through 15, 344. Sir, we remember that that deceiver said, while he was yet alive after three days, I will rise again like the sun rises again. And how, how the sun rises and is dictated by what? The number 15. There's 15, the, the sun travels 15 degrees per hour, and you can clock that on your hand just as it's shown on the left there. And every finger, do you know what every finger represents? 15-minute segments. 15, 30, 45, 60. And that's a 15-degree arc of the sun. 
and that's the sun rising again, mathematically. And then when it rises, it gives you what? The doctrine of Jesus, which the chapter already gave you. It's insane. It's just, uh, I had I had a bunch of holy shit moments when I was doing this yesterday. Okay, so that's 63. Let's finish this off. Does everybody get that? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Truly this man was the son of God. That equals the mathematics of your hand. How many times just in this chapter did we deal with the hands? 2764, command therefore that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day. His disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, he is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. That's a great line. I don't think I need to explain that one, but that's a great line. That's, that's, po that's like lyrical. 2765, Pilate said unto them, ye have a watch. What does it mean to watch? What does a watch do? It tells the time, which means what? It, it's the sun. Do you know what you have in your, in your, what most watches used to have anyway, or still do, I guess? Quartz. It's a quartz crystal. That's that actually what you know helps the watch run. Quartz equals twenty-four in English gematria. Interesting. Um, so they went and made the sepulchre sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. Twenty-seven sixty-six. But before we end this thing, what is what do they say? They they mention it several different times. They say, "Hey, command therefore that the sepulchre be made sure until the third day, because he is going to rise after the third day." And this is where all of this math comes in. What is the math of three days? Once again, it doesn't necessarily have to be completely tied to just the winter solstice. There's, there's math behind the very three days, just like there's math behind the three hours that it went dark. Three days can be converted to one of these units, seconds, minutes, or hours. There's 72 hours in three days. Lord Jesus Christ equals 72 in English gematria. There's 4,320 4, minutes in three days. And what is that? It's the multiplication of Jesus. Four times five times six times six times six is 4,320. We also notice that that is a reference to what? The two cubes as well. The geometry of the two cubes. The, the, the casting lots, the dice, the Kaaba. And then five letters of Jesus times Jesus 27 times six letters of Christ and Christ equals 32 is 25,920. How many seconds in three days? 259,200. All of that math, every single bit of that math is all about Jesus resurrecting after the three days, encoded mathematically. And what is that all about? It's about the Southern Crux rising up to the Northern Cross, that is Cygnus, and becoming the Gubbard. Because that's what you guys are. You guys are the Gubbard. Okay. Thank you guys all. Uh, like I said, there was some stuff in there that I, I because we're already at, uh, we're already at two and a half hours. There's some stuff in there I had to gloss over just because it's so, it was so in depth. Obviously it was going to be, but like I said, there'll, there'll be things we cover when we do the Zodiac and stuff like that, that we'll go back into that. So anyway, if you'd like to become a good bird, you can become a good bird, a subscribe star. You can become a Phoenix bird, a Keeler bird, a Sickness bird, or you can become Tom of the Pete, my bird, my bird, Tommy. If you'd like to support us, uh, you can make um, donations or send us a letter. Or just, you can send me a letter, tell me to go F myself. Whatever you want to do, Gnostic Academy, 7781, County Road, 3440, Mountain View, Missouri, 65548. And if you'd like any donations, Venmo, buy me a coffee, Cash App, uh, PayPal. That's how we keep going. We keep going with your support. 
if you uh, you know uh, support what you like or what you like goes away. We are streaming to, I believe we're streaming to Instagram. I don't know if we actually did today because it was we had technical difficulties, but we are streaming to Rockfin, Rumble, YouTube, and you get the podcast at all of those sort of podcasting places. And thank you to Content Safe for getting us on BitChute. BitChute, we do have a BitChute podcast channel we do uh we also are staying on rockfin uh we have for members you can get all the ser- all the sermons are available for free they will always be available for free on rumble rockfin all the places um we'll probably take a bunch of them even probably down this week from youtube just so you guys know because of censorship and all that other stuff but um all the sermons are available on multiple platforms and then uh, there's a bunch of extra stuff um, on Rockfin. Uh, the Tuesdays with Marty, music videos, archived videos, documentary films. All the documentary films are there for free. All the documentaries will always be for free. Um, that's what we do. So you can watch them if you're not a member on Rockfin. And a bunch of censored videos are on Rockfin. And, of course, we have a bunch of really good documentaries. And another one in the works, which I have to get going on starting Monday again. And it is a freaking whopper. I have a ton of freaking work to do. You can get us at the Flat Earth Sun, Moon, and Zodiac app. Get the app. The Sunday sermons are on there. It's flat and stationary. Find your friends. It's a good app. Uh, we also have the church store, and you can get books and and all that sort of stuff. And yes, and so thank you. And I think we have some donations that I will say. So thank you to all the donors, and um, I'm sure my wife is sending me this right now. Maybe you did. You already did. My wife is on it, except my telegram's not working. John and Leah, thank you so much for the freezer and fridge. We actually have a freezer and fridge. We don't have running water right now. We don't have a shower, but we're working on those things. We do have a freezer and fridge. So Bruce Hutton, thank you so much. Crystal Rose, thank you. Magical Steven, Christina Bangs, love this yurch. Love you. Christy Conordinario, thank you so much. Derek Holloway, good to see you. Martin Weir, blessings from Germany. Bless you. Darren Radfelder. Nils Albaum, Paul D. Julie Pradal, thank you so much. Leah Steele, thank you. Jesse James. Not the actual Jesse James, who's the like convict back in the day. This is, uh, anyway. Thanks for today's welcome back. Daniel Hagar, best church ever. Jean Vina, the true Sika. Alicia Crawford, thank you so much. Virginia Dare, 3333. Illuminati confirmed, Virginia. For all that is good. Thunder Chicken, donation. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Chicken. Janine M. Grassi, excellent service today. Thank you. Jared Poole, thank you so much. Corby Olson, Thank you for your awesome sermons, Marty and Jen. Andrew Masonette, love my Sunday mornings with Marty. Broken Bear, thank you so much. Small Axe, happy 100th, Marty and Jen. Big Milestone, have enjoyed every one of them. Thank you so much. Innerverse Podcast, the inner, the, 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 what, what do I call it? The Innerverse, the Inner Force Podcast <laughs> with Chase Brew. Thank you so much, Mr. Chase. Matt, K-Man, Anna Medina, Alex Meter. Great Sunday sermon. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much. Eric Cosell, 2024B. Garrett Rudolph, thank you so much. Eric Cosell, nice guitar. Thank you so much. Uh, Robert Questenberry, not your grandma. <laughs> 10. Anonymous. Anonymous, I really appreciate your efforts in explaining the Bible and making it easier to understand. Hey, that's what we do. Anonymous here. And then F Donkey, thank you so much. Okay. That's going to do it for us um we will see you next week and i think we're just going to finish up matthew and then i'm going to get on for a few weeks of of, a few different things we're going to do um like i said we're going to do the tarot deck i want to do a one called one called like start here so we can go over the basics of things like the cipher of kabbalah of of um, astrology that sort of stuff so you can get a foundation because a lot of people ask where to start. Um, another one that we want to do too is looking over the our bookshelf um, that I have and uh, highlight um, you know maybe 10 to 
25 books or something like that that I would highly recommend to get you into this sort of stuff that have been helpful for me over the years. And when we do, it probably won't start till next month or something like that, but we would like to start doing a, a couple different live streams a week, maybe start uh, Tuesdays with Marty again or something like that. So, okay. Thank you guys for um, your wonderful Sunday. I hope you enjoyed um, this one. It was, there, there's so much going on in this last chapter. It was just, just amazing. So may you always keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ onto eternal life. May his grace be with you all. Amen. Okay, we're going to listen to a song from Ryan Adams again because he released five records and it's insane. And this is a song called Why from a, a record called Heat Wave and it's a totally badass song. So anyway, that's going to do it for me. Guys, thank you so much. Thank you for your support. Thank you for always being here. Thank you for learning and thank you for spreading the word. And that's the best way that you can help this church really besides, you know, monetarily and just showing up, but spreading the word because we are buried in the freaking algorithms. You do, you know, like most people have no, even though I've been doing this for freaking a decade and a half now or whatever the hell it's been, most people have no idea who I am or who we are or what we do. And that's because for years we have been buried, completely buried. And that's a struggle when you're trying to make a living doing this sort of thing, right? You know what I mean? And, and, and make it grow. So the best way that you can support this is tell people, don't be afraid. Even if you get mocked and, and crucified by the public for talking about Gnosticism or whatever it is, or, you know, um, you know, it's kind of imperative that you do that for your own spiritual work and for, to, you know, especially to help out this church too as well. So anyway, all right, that's going to do it, guys. Thank you so much. We will see you next Sunday where we will finish the book of Matthew. And I already know because I know chapter 28. It is so good. There's so much in there. It ends with squaring the circle. It's just bad ass. So that's going to do it. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We will see you next Sunday. God bless each and every one of you. As always, many blessings and much love to all.